Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back. And if this is your first time listening, welcome to the East Meets West Hunt podcast. Today's episode, I have a good friend of mine and a big public land bow hunter, Johnny Stewart. And Johnny and I met a few years back, and this this guy impressed me from the the first time I met him, from his just kind of not even saying how the deer on his wall, which are extremely impressive, but more or less his off the wall thinking and tactics that when it comes to hunting whitetails, it's nothing that you read about in any magazine or or anything along those lines. He just knows how to read the woods and learn deer in whatever particular area he's hunting and comes through and, and kills these deer. So I, I would say, I mean, this podcast is probably the longest one that I've released yet. So I would recommend getting out a notebook and writing down some notes during this one because John gives a lot of really, really good advice on this one for hunting, you know, public land whitetails, um, from the mountains in Pennsylvania and Southern Ohio to the farm country, public land in Iowa and Illinois and and everywhere else that, that he's hunted. So highly recommend listening to this one, taking notes, and I think you can learn a lot from it. So with that being said, I kind of want to give an update here. I uh, ended up getting out hunting again here in Pennsylvania late season archery and flintlock muzzleloader is in and i i I hadn't hunted it it opened the day after christmas but i haven't got to go out hunting yet and i wanted to test out some new gear and just kind of get back in the tree stand again so here on january 5th i got out for an evening hunt and i went into a spot i hunted in the rut actually that I knew the does were bedded really close um, to me. I was seeing them in the middle of the day, everything else. And if if you follow my, my personal Instagram page, you'd see on I had posted the videos on my story of these of the, the does that were just moving in the middle of the day, everything else. It just seemed like none of them were hot for the, the bucks to be coming in. But anyways, this spot, the way it's laid out was... It's, uh, I'm sitting on the edge of a logging cut, so it was more of a thinning than a, a full clear cut. So there's still some big cherry trees and everything that they're go- going to eventually, you know, harvest and get the timber off of once, once it gets a little older, but they cut all the other trees out of it and it's full of blackberry briars and everything else. So it creates a lot of food as well as some old like gas well pads and things like that, that have ferns and grasses in it that the deer are feeding on so where the does seem to be bedded was off the back side of the clear cut there's a steep um kind of valley that goes down with a few benches on it and it's all hemlock trees and pines and the deer seem to be bedded on there so i, I went into this knowing that i was gonna have to be really quiet walking in so after a few mishaps with me driving all the way to the hunting spot and realizing I forgot my bow at home, don't like to admit it, but it happened and went back, got my bow and I'm kind of rushed and, you know, 
have to set up my stand, do the whole bit, and got in there and got it within probably about mm, 200 yards of the stand, and I just started just creeping in there. I, I knew that I needed to get there quickly, but I couldn't risk blowing out those does where they were bedded at. So I did the the method I learned through Jim Hole, and actually John talks about it here on this podcast, the heel-toe method. So heel-toe, heel-toe, sounding kind of like a deer walking. And I snuck in, and once I got in there, I realized that the that the foliage had changed so much with there's you know no leaves on any of the trees now. So my tree stuck out one a little bit more than it did before, and I could almost see where those does were normally bedded at. And they don't bed in the exact same bed every day, but they on this one you know side of the hill they're there and. So it kind of concerned me. I, I wasn't sure if they'd seen me or anything else. But anyways, I got out my, my hawk stand and the climbing sticks. And I, I set it up and climbed up in the tree. Got settled in finally. And I only had probably an hour and 20 minutes left of daylight at that point. I mean, I was real late getting in. And so I was just, just kind of sitting there waiting. And the way the wind works at this particular spot, and I was set up. I picked this tree for this reason is so the, the, the mountain thermals would be coming up the hill behind me out of where they'd normally be bedded. And then there was a Northern wind that was, you know, blowing from left or right to me. Well, and then in the evening, as the sun goes down, you know, the thermals go down over the hill towards the bedding, um, which can be dangerous in its own. But, um, just just the way I was set up there, I, I've never been busted out of it. So it was, it's again learning each each area and how the wind plays those particular spots. And so about quarter to quarter to five, I start hearing some deer movement coming from my right, but kind of out in front of me a little bit. So the wind's blowing that direction, like left to right but they were out in front a little bit. So the winds in the deer's favor coming out, they came out a little bit differently than I expected them to, but it was still good for me. It was a marginal wind. So the winds in a favor for them, but I was just off the wind well enough that, you know, they wouldn't catch me. And actually seven or eight does came out and I was really surprised to see that many deer. And they came out and leading the, the the herd there was just really big doe and and i i had to look a couple times to make sure it wasn't a buck that shedded you know his antlers already and uh the doe came in kind of walking um came through about i I'd estimated 25 yards i drew and she went behind some brush and i and i was lucky you know with all the other eyes that were in this little grassy opening on the edge of the clear cut that they didn't catch me and I, I drew, you know, put the pin on her and she was walking slowly. And normally I, I always stop them with a bleat or something with mouth bleat. And I don't know why I didn't. I was just kind of caught up in the moment. And the deer was quartering two a little bit. So I held it tight on the shoulder there and pulled through the re- release. And I watched the nocturnal go way back further than I wanted it to. And I was like, what happened? Did I hit a stick? Did I hit a briar bush? What, you know, what happened? And now that I'm thinking about it, it's just by the time my brain, you know, told my, my 
release basically to go off she'd already taken another step and put my arrow back about 12 inches or maybe not that far but a decent amount further back than i wanted to and that arrow is sticking out of her and she's just standing there so i heard up and grabbed another arrow and at this point she kind of walked out and was just standing there so and it was kind of in some brush but i knew that i needed to have a follow-up shot because that first one wasn't great so i put my range finder up 50 yards put it back in dialed in my sight i mean i had time to do all this she was just standing there drew back again settled the pin shot and and I, I couldn't tell if it was a good hit on the second one or not but at that point you know she ran away i could see the nocturnal going until it went until it went out of sight a little bit and then the other deer were just standing there didn't even do much anything which is really weird because normally the does in this and this particular area and stuff I means heavily hunted and everything else. So you'd expect them to be, you know, taken off and they, they, they didn't eventually they did. And I heard some snorting and everything else and they, they ran out. But so anyways, I'm just kind of disgusted with myself in that first shot. And, but the deer was limping really bad. And what I ended up finding out was because of the angle and everything I shot and it went out the, the, back leg so went through like liver guts and right out through the back leg and i didn't think my arrow passed through but it, it it didn't completely pass through but the iron will went the whole way through through the bone out the other side and and i was like I, i'm gonna have to wait wait her out i can't you know chase her right now then at this point you know it's getting close to dark so i just took my stand down real quietly and packed everything up and, and walked out of there, snuck out and waited about, I think it was four or five hours before I came back in. And, uh, so we, we came back in, my dad, my uncle came with me and I had grabbed my Kafaru and, and everything I was going to plan on packing her out. It was a little ways back in, back in there and some, some steep terrain. So, went in and um ended up finding that nocturnal the arrow broke off and found that not far from where i lost her out of sight and so it just kept falling the blood trail and it was a pretty good blood trail like it was it was real good you could tell she was hurt bad and then ended up finding the deer um ended up finding the deer dead so that was um a, a sense of relief for how bad of a shot you know i essentially made on her and and i was you know kind of sick about it and the fact that that i did that shot while she was walking and everything so that wasn't wasn't something i was real happy with myself about but anyways nonetheless she was dead and uh so we quartered up the deer to the gutless method again like i did on my rifle buck and put the deer in game bags and and packed her out so the weird thing is I never, I haven't found the other piece of my arrow with my broadhead on it, and I meant to go back in and and look for it here. And by the time this release, I'm sure I'd been back in there, but to try to look for it. But I don't know what happened. I figured it was going to be stuck in in her there, but that other half of the arrow came out the other side. So, I mean, that's a a good reason, you know, that I, I and she only went probably. I don't know, 80 yards from me, but it just was so thick that I lost her out of sight. 
and it was a good thing I think that I left her lay because she didn't seem to be you know dead for very long we were still warm and wasn't you know locked up or anything and and it was below freezing but uh anyways uh that so I packed up that deer got her out it was probably a little bit after midnight or so by the time we got the the deer out of the woods really big doe got a lot of good you know meat off her and everything so I was happy with the the result of it not happy with you know kind of how it went down but it just comes down to I I'm a person that if if I need to I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot more arrows if you need to you know I'm I'm a big proponent of you know shooting until they're down yeah I, I didn't want to rely on that first shot to to, to kill her there and I ended up I did hit her with that that you know other arrow so got up to her found her got her out and and that was that so that was a, a good way to kind of start off 2019 and end my 2018-19 archery season finally got to put one on the ground with the bow and you know that was that so it just uh you, you'll hear some more lessons here on this podcast with john about late season hunting which he's a big proponent of and has done extremely well with that so that being said let's uh let's get right into the podcast here with john and thanks everyone for listening if you would you know if you had to listen on itunes or anything like that please leave a review uh rating that kind of stuff helps out a lot uh for me and the podcast here enjoy all right we're back for another episode of the east meets west hunt podcast sitting here in my basement with my good buddy johnny stewart johnny how's it going pretty good bo had a good day today uh found a couple sheds um you know muzzle loader's still in but uh seems like they're losing our horns up here early this year which is good and bad you know so yeah what we're recording this on december 29th and it already seems like a lot of these bucks are losing their antlers yeah you're right uh buddy of mine found six already um i like late season i like muzzleloader hunting but it seems like it's kind of like when they're losing their horns there ain't much you could do you know but start picking them up so yeah yeah that's for sure but you already have your buck tag filled here in pennsylvania at least so you're not uh you're not worried about if they're losing their horns now, right? Yeah, you're right. Just kind of getting ready for next year. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that's um, it's always fun to get out this time of year. And like you and I were talking about before we started recording here, it's just as fun to uh, to get out and kind of plan for the next year and stuff as it is hunting a lot of times. You know? Yeah, when you get older, I think it's like, man, you just want to. It's not all about killing. Um, I've said that before. I just like, I like learning about the deer. It seems like when you go in the woods and you see new areas and see sign, or if you find a shed rubs, anything, it kind of like stimulates your brain. It's like, Oh, look here. You just, and you keep going and keep learning and, but you'll never stop learning about the whitetail. You know, it's just like a never ending. You think, you know, a lot, then next year comes up. You look, I learned this. I learned that. And you just keeps, I think I'm just like a student and I like learning about them. It's not even, you know, killing is kind of takes a back seat to it you know what i mean yeah well yeah when you you texted me uh when you killed your iowa buck what was that last week was that two weeks ago no oh, that was uh that was before christmas so 
Yeah, that was two weeks ago. Okay. And you, and you texted me and you're like, got it done in Iowa. Kind of, you know, it's kind of disappointing at the same time because when you don't have the tag in your pocket anymore, you're like, as soon as you pull the trigger, you're, you know, you're happy. But at the same time, you're kind of disappointed because you're, you're like me and you like to just keep hunting. Yeah, it's like uh, you got to be happy when you pull that trigger. Um, it might not be the biggest deer or whatever, but, you know, you chose to take an animal's life. So that's it. You're done. But uh yeah, and but you kind of like, oh, it's over, you know. So I do. I, I try to hunt different states, and uh, like like you said earlier, we'll maybe talk about some late season. I love late season hunting. Um, granted, I hunt, you know, the rut. Everybody likes to rut, but I feel late season. Um, the pre, you know, all the land I hunt is usually public. The pressure is down, you know, and they're, you know, they have to eat. So. Uh, um, that's the best time to pattern them, you know, and their guards down. Um, I know in a past few, um, not, not so much in the past two or three years, I haven't really killed a lot of deer, but there was a streak there that I was, um, pretty much not killing a deer till December, middle, late December into January. Cause it was like, I was looking for maybe bigger deer. And then, you know, it seemed to got to the point where, man, I better start shooting something or it just got to the point where it was like, I still have this state or this tag and and they're still there and, and um, their guards down. It's easier. I, I love late season muzzleloader bow hunting, you know, but um, it's just, uh, I think it's just not, I don't want to say easier, but um, it's, it's there that you can pattern them, you know, it's just, yeah. if you find the food, you know, uh, you could pretty much kill them through the food, you know? Yeah. And, and see, I, I had never really thought a whole lot about late season hunting until I met you and you're like, you're missing out on a lot of good hunting. You know, I just always, well, hopefully I'd be tagged out by that point, but sometimes I'm not. And I just didn't, I, I don't know. I just never really thought of it as a time. Like when, when I, when I texted you after our first archery season was over, I'm like, you know, I didn't feel a tag or anything there. You know, I was kind of bummed out. You're like, what do you mean? Hunting's just getting good. You yeah. Know, like it's. You know, it, it's just it's just getting good at this time. You you have a lot of time left uh, to get it done, and hopefully, you know, they don't lose their antlers by this time. But this is kind of a wacky year, not not usually that typical. But I think the number one thing with um, hunting late season is the number one variable. Any uh, thing that you can't predict is in public hunting areas is the pressure, and that's the biggest. If there was no other people hunting there, it'd be pretty easy to go out there and kill a buck. But um, the pressure that people put on the deer, that kind of uh, really, they really live. Sometimes they turn nocturnal in that um, late season. You can, they're starting to, like I said, come back out and they, uh, they'll they feed in daylight hours when it's warmer and stuff like that. But um, yeah, um pressure is the biggest thing i've i've you know you hunt you know everybody wants to hunt november hunt first week second week of november bow hunt oh that's the best time and my experience it it could be the best time but then you get an area that's hunted hard i know i think these deer up in this area where um <clears throat> where we hunt they uh they're actually i'm talking four or five year old deer the older deer i feel like they're still nocturnal the weather it was kind of cold this year, but in general, fall has been warm. 
and them big bucks they're not worried about that first doe breeding that first doe they're worried about getting their one or two three does when they want to get them when it's colder when there isn't much pressure when nobody's fighting over the does um so um yeah you can catch them on a hoof midday but our season ends 10th 12th of november and they're not peaking yet it's an, it's the following week mm-hmm. that they peak and people in the woods bear hunting and they say oh i seen bucks chasing three four bucks chasing a doe and they get they get dumb but it seems like you're hunting through october november you're like it's going to get good it's going to get good and here comes a 10th 11th 12th oh it's over where's you know and you didn't get the peak um so uh the next time to get out there and hunt is rifle season um and i think up here the you know pennsylvania has so many sportsmen like michigan minnesota all them states are just so many people out there hunting everybody travels to the big woods here and um hey yeah as 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 you call it head up north everyone wants to head up north it's going up north and there's guys and and them bucks that been through a few gun seasons you know four or five year old deer they know you know they can associate with um what time of year it is when the, the guys start shooting their guns and all the rows are busy and there's guys in the woods and and i think they also have as far as breeding they have a little break um from the peak so they're kind of like recovering from the breeding you know when we get into rifle season uh you know you're looking at like the end of november the breeding's kind of dying down and also they know that that hunting season that gun season there's guys going to be pounding the woods and they were already in there kind of chasing bear around so um I've been hunting up here probably pretty serious five, six years, and, and uh, I, I knew of good bucks through November. I didn't get them, and uh, so I'll get them rifle, I'll get them rifle, and I hunted my ass off rifle hunting. Not even seen them. You know, I, I might get a crack of one here and there, but it's like, where'd they go? It's like a, they just disappear, which they do. They lay down, and they hide from that uh, them, them gunshots, and they're kind of recovering from that rut, you know? And I think the rut is, you know, them big bucks they they kind of set the schedule you know on you know what's going on in the woods and then when they're when they're taking a break time out you know there's guys in the woods everything kind of like shuts down you know and that's why i think the deer start breeding again i got them on my camera end of december uh middle of december they're out you know in the january uh you know even the the smaller font the fawns that you know get to a certain weight then they'll come into estrus so you got the deer the buck they'll be looking for them the young deer coming in and then you know maybe the ones that were getting into estrus around gun season when them bucks everything was like time out they'll come in 28 days later so there's a lot of times i come up here muzzle loader i mean uh yeah hold on a second john so kind of explain a little bit with that because you were um, I'd heard about, you know, a second rut and everything else before, but never really put too much, t- you know, emphasis on it until I remember a couple years ago, you were showing me some trail camera pictures of some good bucks in first week of January on a tail of some younger does yeah. and everything there. And that's, you know, that's never something I thought about. And mm-hmm. so how would you... When you're hunt, hunting like late season like that, are you hunting out of a tree stand like you normally would? Or are you hunting on the ground or what, what kind of <clears throat> strategy usually, there? I usually try to um, walk a little bit, usually with a, a muzzle loader, mm-hmm. you know, with some soft snow. That's, I just like muzzle loader hunting. I rarely, up in this area, I rarely take a bow out late season. Um, 
but uh, I try to get out there with a muzzle loader. I leave cameras out all year, but now I have an area where I think, or I, I kind of know the deer that time of year are hanging out and they congregate and um, I kind of hunt them areas. But yeah, I think, um, I think if you had, usually I'm, I hunt alone a lot and you could do some like one man drives and that if like I tell everybody, go don't shoot your deer in archery if you don't shoot what you want go late season come up here i know where there's deer they you know they'll they hang out down in these hemlocks or in these pines or here that i i kind of you know after about five years i know areas where i know the bucks are going to um kind of get get into their wintering or not so much wintering but uh they kind of kind of herd up a little bit and does that are all kind of living in the same area and then you got a, maybe a doe might be coming in the heat so um you know that's why i always uh try to get other people into it flintlock hunting man, that's the best time if you get a good fresh snow and you kind of you know know where they're at you can kind of put a little drive on here and there and bump them around it's like what uh what kind of areas are you typically you said something about like hemlocks and stuff is there any like pattern okay in the big woods are you finding a certain area where the deer typically hang out this time of year i don't know it, it depends kind of on depend? it depends on snow too if you got a deep snow uh they're going to be really maybe in some pines, maybe hemlocks, you know, kind of getting out of that snow, maybe. Uh, but deep snow, what I've found out is 18 inches or two feet, anything under that, they really don't. They just kind of plow through they it. They don't really know. change their I don't, not from what I'm, but I know a few years back they had, you know, all the way up to March, April, we had like two, three feet of snow here. And I found a lot of horns. They were just deer. You find them congregating, you know, in the hemlocks or pines and. And you know, feed you find them going into creek bottoms too a little bit, like in uh, when it get heavy snow. I know, like when I'm shed hunting on bad winters, I tend to find more sheds in the creek bottoms. Where if we have a light winter, they seem to be pretty sc scattered. Unless that's just well, it seems like there's a creek close by. You know, most of this land has some springs and creeks. I feel like they're kind of in that area you know that's where the hemlocks are you they, know they definitely like to dig in those springs do you ever the notice springs, that yeah and they you know if everything else is frozen up maybe they can yep. dig in there a little bit find some eat. grass or ferns yeah definitely I'd, i always like uh when when it comes down to just kind of skipping ahead here a little bit but with shed hunting uh we have a bad winter like that i love finding spring seeps coming off yeah. the hills and just kind of scouring up and down those spring seeps because that's not gonna it's usually like the last thing to freeze it seems like and mm -hmm. a lot of times they don't and they can dig in there a little bit and i've found sheds you know right in those springs spring seeps before which is kind of neat to you know to realize there but to kind of to kind of go back a little bit back to late season here and where they're at so if there's snow and stuff a lot of times you're it seems like you're walking around and just kind of sneaking along and just trying to find where the you're trying to cut a track or yeah cut find a track that fresh or, line. yeah kind of be mobile yeah more or less mobile because i you know you hunt a lot with your bow and then if you can get an opportunity i, I like flintlock it's really primitive it's it's tough it's i like just challenging that's why i hunt the big woods because it's challenging you know what i mean so you get that flintlock sometimes it don't get off but don't go off but um i just like sneak you know and it's not all the time you have the perfect you know conditions but when you do, I mean, you can get on a track, and there are guards down a little bit, you know. You can kind of, and then if you don't really um, pressure them too much, maybe you can get in there the next day, maybe post on them, you know what I mean? Yeah. They're, they're in that area. They're there for a reason. They're not, it's not the time of year where I think they're, especially with the snow, they're going to congregate. Now, they'll get into January, February. They'll start moving and being mobile, and you'll find, you'll find sheds miles, miles apart because they just, um, 
uh, there's no reason for them to just stay. There's so much browse just, and it's everywhere. It's not like a, you know, you got a mass crop or something that uh, funnels them to a food source. Yeah. But, but that time of year, they're, you know, it's uh Are, are you fine? Like, is there any particular food sources you're looking for, or do you find them? I mean, I know you hunt similar areas that I do where there's not even really many oak trees, if mm-hmm. any. So there's not really acorns even if there are they're normally gone by that time but is there any like specific food sources that you'd kind of key in on well it seems like they really like if you got some snow a couple inches try to find some ferns and they'll uh especially on a hillside they use that gravity if it's level uh they have a hard time moving the snow but if it's a you know 40 degree slope or something like that they just they can gradually move that snow off that hillside where i've seen them bucks you know a turned up uh stump you know for five years or ferns are growing on it and it's just right at their height and they just reach out and grab that you know but uh the easiest way for them you know to find is a south slope or like maybe uh you know snow's melting or if, if it's down right now you do just they'll dig and they'll eat them ferns that's where we find a lot of horns and them ferns or you find a hemlock tree usually a single hemlock um he's gonna lay under that they, yeah they love that you know what i mean yeah up here you're the same way when i when i'm shed hunting later on if i see a big hemlock tree above everything i beeline right to mm-hmm. it because normally you'll find a bed under there and hopefully you'll find an antler i mean you know out of 30 t- at 30 trees you might find a shed under one of them maybe but yeah i always, you always look you always go down and look you gotta look <laughs> they love them little single especially if you got like a kind of like an open woods and then you just got spotted hemlocks that are maybe 20 30 feet tall here and there that's where they're gonna lay they're gonna lay under there i don't know it seems like it's maybe a little bit warmer or, or just like you know less snow or they you know the the boughs come down to where it gives them some cover but um yeah, they're definitely there, but uh, yeah, I, uh, in the past there was a, a good mass crop of acorns, but that's rare up here. You know, most of the time it's just browse, but being in here, being hunting up here for five years, I kind of kind of know where to look come this time of year. There, the, I'm talking like uh, after Christmas, that's when muzzleloader starts, uh, you know, through rifle season, they're kind of holed up. They're scared the, the, the first two weeks of December, you know. Um, the last uh, day or so of rifle season, they'll start getting coming out because the hunters, the number of hunters are down. So you got a chance of seeing one, you know, and they're starting to be more visible because they need some food and they're coming out. But then you get after Christmas, um, they, uh, like I said, they're just, um, they're not too worried about the hunting pressure and they got to feed, but it's just, they kind of gravitate towards certain areas you know, they're not in them areas that where they were during the rifle season when they were hiding out because they just kind of like, they'll go a mile. They'll just be in a, you'll never find them. You'll think the deer doesn't exist, but he's there alive and he knows where to hide. But their guards down. I, I followed uh, two bucks last year. Um, it was maybe the 10th of January and uh, I, I got on their tracks. It's an area I go to every year. Um, it just seems like that time of year after Christmas, I can walk in there and there's, it's close to the road. It's just, they just kind of, you know, rifle season, they're not there, but I get in there late season and I, I got on two good bucks. And I think just by judging, you know, tracking tells you a lot, just by judging by their tracks, these were old, big old bucks and, and where they took me and how they walked, you know, the one was a bigger buck than the other. And, uh, he walked 
around, you know, down tree. Like he had such a big rack on his head. I, I, I know what deer they were because I know what deer lived in that area, and they were they were some really big bucks, and they were hanging together, you know, that time of year. But um, then they took me through some beach brush, maybe three four hundred yards, but they uh, they just stayed in that thick stuff. Once they once I got on their tracks, they they had a close place by that they can they can um, get in and get away from me. I couldn't see twenty yards in that beach brush, but um, um, if I had another guy. I could be all right. They're heading this way. Let's try to cut them off. You go set up here, and and I know the terrain. I know where they go, but um, it's usually myself, you know. But another thing, they, like I said, after you know January, getting to February, March, um, after being you know hiding um, from rifle hunters and that being in that thick stuff where they don't want to be, uh, a lot of the sheds that you find, Bo finds and Dave finds and your dad and everybody finds these sheds. A lot of times they're in the middle of the open woods and there's no rhyme or reason to where they're at. But I've just said, Hey, they, they don't have to live in that thick stuff. You know, that beach brushing them. They got a big rack on her head. They want to be free. They're just going to, they just browse through the open woods, you know, and that's later in February, March, when you find, um, sheds they're just kind of they're done with the thick stuff but um yeah if, like when i got on them two bucks i followed them and they went that thick stuff they made a big circle but i never caught up to them there wasn't enough the snow wasn't soft enough but it's like i, I tell people every year i like, man hey would you get a get a flintlock man you could shoot 100 yards you could shoot just as far as you shoot a bow and these deer are there you know what i mean i just need help getting because you usually don't have the ideal fresh four or five inches of snow where yeah you can sneak through you know it's either windy or, i mean not windy or crunchy uh, a lot of stuff's going against you not uh, not too often do i post uh, but I, but i could probably get to get get to that if i keep studying these deer and learn them i could probably get in an area where i could post up for an evening or an afternoon yeah you know but just to go you know there's not a lot of deer per square mile up here just to go out in the woods and hey, i'm gonna post here you know i don't ever like hope or hope to see a deer i want to know that i'm in a spot that i want to see a deer i don't want to leave my hunting up to hope and you know or wishing man i yeah. hope this is a good spot like i want to do my homework but um yeah it's just the more time in the woods that you you know you put in and you learn and you use your cameras and uh like you know i we have them out usually all year. You don't see where they're at and where they're going. Yeah, like today. You, yeah. You come in, you're like, uh, I forgot I had a camera out in the woods since last rifle season, 2017. And I just found it today. <laughs> and we were looking, going through the photos of it. That was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. That was a good deer. I said, Bo, I, I put a camera out last year, rifle season. I always put about three or four cameras around my waist. I don't take no backpack. I just cinch them to my waist, you know, three or four. I always have three on me because if you take one, you're like, ah, I don't want to waste it. Put That's a decent spot. I want to put it here. I'll, I'll hold on to it. Then before you know it, you're back in your vehicle. You didn't put a camera out. So if you got three of them, you're like, all right, I'll throw one here. Uh, right, I'm throwing here. I'm throwing here. So I, I, I've been carrying two or three with me around my waist. But yeah, I put one out last year, rifle season in a spot, and there were some good rubs. And I never got back in there to pick it up. And I was there this year, rifle hunting, and I just didn't remember where the camera was. I was looking and looking, and then I ended up putting another camera out. Just you know, it was a good spot. And then today I found both cameras, and the one that was there for a year, huh, that one on there, he was a beautiful eight, Big point, huh? eight point. Yeah. And what was that? The last Saturday in rifles? Yeah, season, last. 2017 was, at three o'clock in the afternoon, daylight. He's walking. And, that. you know, he was there this year. That was the one that was rubbing there this year. I didn't have him on that other camera, but he's 145 inch this year. Eight, You know, he's a 
and I found two sheds today right in that area. You know, one's a fresh, one's an old one. But, um, I mean, there's a lot of guys up here shed hunting now from what I hear. I mean. Yeah. But, uh, I mean. Yeah, it's a little early, I think, to be doing that, you know, as far as strictly shed hunting, you know, as far as. Yeah. I mean, there is a lot of deer, like I said, that have lost them early on. But I had a camera out. Uh, I just checked last weekend. Was it last weekend or something? Yeah. Uh, Christmas Eve, I checked it. And there were seven bucks on my camera. And they both, they all had both sides mm-hmm. on them. So like, I I was expecting. Yeah, definitely. Last I think last year before it was like April. I seen five, six bucks together. So you have no clue. They can drop anywhere. Well, mm-hmm. I had one on one of my cameras. I had posted on my Instagram story that the it was November eighteenth, and he lost one side already. Yeah, they can lose it. So that's really rare. But say the end of November all the way through April. Yeah, you're right. And and so I found some bucks. There was this one buck that I was hunting that really big deer. He lost his antlers every year between rifle season and Christmas. And I don't know why he did it, but that's what he did. And there's some bucks that just hold on yeah, for a long time. And it's, it's just their personality. I don't know. <clears throat> they're done. And, you know, some of them bucks been through them cold winters and their mind changes from breeding. They don't need them horns fighting testosterone they're just kind of like i need to recover i mean a couple of times i've i've checked my cameras in april you know right when it's starting to green up and you see these bucks you could tell by the bodies their yearlings are two-year-olds you could see their ribs it was a tough winter you know they were probably chasing does like you wouldn't believe you know and then uh, you got that old one like i said that's why they're hurting they get lazy they get one or two they're happy they're like oh it's gonna be a rough winter I'm eating sticks and <laughs> roots and shit. So they, uh, yeah. And you get them on a camera in April, you can't even see their ribs. They're all, they're still healthy. I think it's all about strong survive. You know what I mean? And being healthy. And if they've been through a couple of them winters, them, them old bucks, they're more worried about survival than they are breeding, believe it or not. I mean, they, they, once they get that certain age, been through a couple of them hard winters, they're like, uh, I, I can't run my body down too much. No, here, they're right? just like that old bull sitting out there in the field, you know, just, you know, we're just going to lay just all summer. You see him laying by himself, laying by himself. You rarely see him just, just lays around, you know, and yeah, he get up and do his breeding and then, you know, he gets what he needs and then, all right, I'm going to start recovering. I'm done. So yeah, they might drop their horns early, you know, and it's tougher here living in this, you know, part of the uh, country you know there's it's just browse and you know the winters are, are tougher and they just adapt you know and they survive so um, so with um so you hunt you know pennsylvania and uh, uh you know southern ohio with like as far as like the big woods you know mountain buck type terrain do you find any like specific place where you're finding these bucks bedding or is this also kind of more boots on the ground and figuring out each area? What what is there any certain terrain features or or you know clear cuts or what what are, what are you kind of finding? Well, I don't think uh, I think in general deer, you know, like a big buck, a bench, a point, but a lot of these areas, you know, maybe a ridge, but a lot of the areas like up in this area that I hunt, a lot of it's flat. There's no topography as far as bedding. Um, you know, they just kind of lay down wherever. I mean, usually. And I, you know, it's a typical spot though, maybe under a hemlock or something. And the ground here is really irregular. You have like holes and bumps and it creates little flat spots anywhere in the woods. They could just lay down and and have a spot, you know, if there's a slight grade, you know, you got them bumps and holes and they'll just find a spot and lay down. You know, it's not like 
you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's some, like where I found these sheds today, there's a little more mountainous, more topography to it. And they were out on a point, you know, and it was just kind of like typical point, you know, maybe a bench and stuff like that. But a lot of area up here is just so flat. There's a lot of flat land and it doesn't funnel them. It's just, there's no, no rhyme or reason a, to where they're, they're going to, there's no, they'll just lay down, you know. That's, that's a good point because... You know, I had um, the guys from Wild at Heart, Warren, um, Jameson, and Kelly on the podcast. We were talking about buck bedding, and and they had brought that up too. Is like most areas they're hunting steeper, they're like so yeah. they'll find them out on these yep. points. You know, where you get into some of these other areas in the big woods, because not all of it's super steep. Mm-hmm. Some of the areas both you and I hunt aren't really that steep. Yeah. There are a lot of there. I mean, there there's topography, but not they're more rolling type hills and things like that. And there. I'm, I mean, me personally, I can't tell you one spot that you're going to find a buck bed. Yeah, you're right. Like, oh, no, I'm yeah. go over here. Yeah, it's not like buck bed. No. It's a buck bedding area. No, it's it's not like like I hunted in southern West Virginia. That's all rugged, and then you just find a point in that, and you can find where a buck beds, and you can hunt that spot. But here in this flat country, it's like you'll find a buck bed, but it won't be like oh, remember this spot. It'll be a big, you know, it's a buck. But it's just like he laid down there. You know, I found a few in the winter this time, like, but that's different. You know, they're kind of, the snow got them holed up there and there's some hemlocks you'll find where they might be hanging out. And that's another reason you can kind of muzzle loader hunt and maybe post if you find where they're bedding year to year. You just kind of pussyfoot around there and see them. But as far as just in general, you know, maybe through November and I had to find in this area a buck bed that's just kind of like, it's, it doesn't really exist. It's just kind of, and, you know, and I made anywhere, and I made a comment before about that. Is I mean, bucks. There's some I have found areas where it seems like bucks bed a lot, but there's other times if I can find a buck that I think all right, he's using his bed now, you better hunt it right now because he may use that for a couple of days or whatever, and he's moving on, he's yeah. doing whatever. I don't think there's like, you know, and and this is I haven't hunted a ton of farm country in my life, but I've hunted a decent amount, and it seems like. They use the same beds a lot. Yeah, they do. Know? Yeah. And the same, not made just one bed, but they'll use a couple beds a lot. Uh-huh. Over here, I don't think they do. You know, I, But it's it's just like everywhere's different. Hunting isn't black and white. There is a spot last year I found up here. It was a clear cut. It was not typical. It was 40, 50 acre clear cut top of the hill, uh, you know. 20-year-old, 30-year-old trees, just big enough you can get in a tree. But this buck was living there like he owned that. I found 50 rubs in there. I didn't see the buck. I just found the spot. I found all his beds in there. And I hunted that spot. I saw him three times in there. He was probably 150-inch eight-point, you know. I never got him, but uh, that was not typical to this. I mean, you can find stuff like that and just in different state different areas it's there you know but not every deer does that like that deer lived through all the way through rifles you know his pictures and he lived in there he owned that you know and that's not typical a lot of these deer but every individual's deer is different like some are nomads some will live in a spot like that you know that's that's one thing that i think you've taught me over the last few years that it's really stuck with me is every deer has its own personality comes down to where they live how much they move some may not move very much like that one yeah own that clear cut yep. he may have never left that area very often where there's other deer like the the oldest deer i killed when i was 17 years old he was eight and a half years old had trail camera pictures of him four and a half miles away from where i killed him he just 
like to move, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, and some are more aggressive. You see some bucks that have, you know, tines broken off every year because mm-hmm. they're just, they're mean and <laughs> they like, yep. you know, they're aggressive and there's other ones that are more timid and they're like, I'd, I'd rather not fight him. And yeah. It's just like relax. a human, you know, some, <clears throat> I always tell Bill, I said, Hey, if you're going to hunt me, are you going to go sit at McDonald's parking lot? Yeah, everybody comes through the drive-thru. Everybody eats at McDonald's. No, not everybody. You're not going to see me. I mean, that's just like yeah. an analogy for put food for thought. You're like, well, yeah. Because when I was younger and I learned, started learning about hunting, I read every article, you know, and that was my biggest thing is I was reading these articles, but you don't know who was writing these articles. I was re- reading articles from people that maybe lived in the Midwest and more deer and private land. So there's, you. I mean- it depends on what your situation is. You got to learn about hunting. That's because every situation is different. If I, like, I remember I read all these articles. I wanted like a black and white answer. I wanted a buck. I was 12, 14. I wanted a buck so bad. I was a buck. <laughs> so I was like, I was like writing notes. I was reading all these articles. I remember the biggest thing I've learned was, okay, they go to the field at night and they lay in the bed and they thick in a thicket and they'd find the heaviest trail. I got on the heaviest trail, man. I thought that was all you had to do because they were like, maybe just, and uh, that, that wasn't it. I seen deer down in the woods. I said, what are they, there's no trails down there. What are they doing down? They were down there eating acorns, you know, yeah. but, but it was like, I think I went backwards learning from people that their hunting situations were different than I grew up in Southwestern Pennsylvania. And it wasn't, there was no big bucks. They were all just yearlings, two-year-olds, you know, when I was young, that was it. That was a big buck, you know, 110 inch deer, 115 inch deer. But these deer were pressured to the point where, um, they were killed off. And, you know, the ones that did survive were probably nocturnal. And I'm trying to learn from people that hunted in a different environment. And yeah, they might be good at that, but you can't use that, um, guys information you got to he almost got to describe a this is where i hunt and this is how much pressure's here this is public land this is private land this is farmland because a lot of them articles i read there they didn't tell you where they were hunting you know what i mean it's like if you were um yeah or if it was private yeah private land public land yeah was it highly pressured was it not yeah, there's all these variables that he you know and he's gonna like i i look at it like if you want to be a chef say what you like um Chinese, you want to be, you know, Chinese food, you want to be a a chef, you're not going to read about a chef that cooks Mexican food, you know, because you're not going to learn how to cook Chinese. It's like, like an analogy is like, I'm like, so you're learning about, man, you know, you just, you're not learning the right, you know, what you need to know. Like, um, if you wanted to, um, yeah, it's just to me, it's like, the articles should describe where they're hunting and, and then or you want to learn from people that hunt them type of areas that are similar to your because i almost went backwards i think and i started going forward again when i started learning from the deer in my area instead of i really don't read many articles now i uh i take tidbits from people that like Bo or other people that i know to hunt my area and i say oh this happened to them this was, and i utilize that but you could pick you could learn from everybody whether they know a lot or, or, or not but you, it's like um you know, it has to be geared toward your environment. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just for people, humans, you know, how they inhabit their land, like how we live and what we do. Um, a guy over in China's de- daily life is way different than ours. And if you, if you, you know, so it's like, it's a human, 
but his lifestyle was totally different where he eats, what's he eats, what's he do for a living, what's he do every day. So you have to go live in China if you want to kill, you know what I mean? To learn how to kill that guy. But, <laughs> and that's the truth. Like I go to Iowa, I learned there are different animals out there. You know, you learn from them people. I go to West Virginia, Ohio. I hunted South Carolina this year, Montana. I hunted white tails. You know, it's like everywhere you go, it's, there's no black and white answer, you know? Yeah. It's like you have to learn from that animal in his environment or someone that knows and hunts the similar. That's that's my, like, if you can learn anything, is just, like, learn from either deer itself in that area that you're hunting or people that know about that you know what i mean that's the biggest mistake i think i've made in, in my in my past and now i just i learned from the deer itself you know hunting um hunts that i went on and places i hunted and you know you know just experience being in the woods all the time and learning and asking yourself hundreds of questions why is this happening? why is that and putting hundreds of cameras out looking at you know just but uh i think um and then that's how I come to learn about late season hunting because I'm hunting areas that are pressured through gun season and it's, you know, and then I get into late season, the, the pressure's gone, you know, it's like, and they have to eat. Same thing as Iowa, them deer out there in Iowa, I hunt public land um, and I know some people that have some private land. I rarely hunt. I just like being out in the state land and um, them deer out there are like, I call them addicts. They're addicted to corn. They're literally addicted to corn. I go out there after Christmas, you know, if it's five, if it's, you got five days of sub-zero temperatures at five, 10 degrees, they're like zombies. They'll walk right to that corner bean field. They don't care. They don't look left, right. They just walk. They walk in a line. It's like, <laughs> it's just like you see on TV. They sit in a cornfield and they wait to come out because they're, it's like, it's like a heroin addict. They're addicted to that yeah. stuff, man. Like these deer here, around here, they can live off t twigs and limbs, sticks and roots and shit. You know, them deer are just... Like I said, it's like a Chinaman and you, there's a totally different lifestyle, you know, but I, the first time I went to Iowa, I sat on the edge of, a, um, some state land and my buddy had a, a big bean fit corn field. He had a hunting shack. We sat there, you know, he dry, he got a ranger. He drives right up to it. He sits, gets up in his hunting shack. Here they come out of the woods like clockwork. I said, what time are we going hunting? Ah, they ain't going to come out to a four. We get down there at three o'clock, four o'clock. They're just 130, 140 inch bucks. Just out, like zombies. Eat that corn, eat that corn, eat that's all they know. It's it's crazy. That's another reason out in Iowa I go out there just say, Oh man, you got a bow hunt Iowa. I used to bow hunt Iowa, but uh I like I get a muzzler tag every I got two years in a row now. You know what I mean? I shot that one this year and I there's a lot of places I was sick. I end up shooting that deer. He's maybe 135, 140. He was a good deer. Um, but I have a chance at 140, 150 inch deer every year, you know. But um, the deer out there, the hunting style out there is different than it is here. Down West Virginia, it's different, you know. Where yeah. I live in southwest Pennsylvania is different. It's just... Well, it's funny. You were telling me about Iowa, and you're like, Bo, you got to put in for this this muzzleloader tag. You're like, you can draw it way faster than you can an yeah. archery tag. You don't have to wait four or five years. You can, every one, two years, you get a tag, and yeah. he goes, the pressure's gone. Go like. You're like, I'm hunting state land and I didn't have any pressure and you killed a really good buck. And you're like, and you're like, yeah, I would actually probably pass them and kept hunting, but you were sick and you're yeah. like, I, you know, you're done. And I'm like, how, what do you mean you'd pass that buck? You're like, man, it's just, it's so, I have, a, sh I have a shot at a hundred, I hit 150 last year out there. I couldn't find it, but, uh, 
they do some, and it's like hit or miss. It's like you go into some areas. I, I hunt sometimes 40 acre plots out there in Iowa, maybe 50, 60 or, and the one place I found, no one was through there in gun season, muzzle loader. It was eight, 10 bucks living on there, 140, 150 inch bucks, you know, but then again, if you get that 40 acre piece and it's pressured, it ain't going to be there. And another thing with Iowa, and it's true, and I learned it from my buddy out there, they don't have a lot of thick stuff, a lot of cover, a lot of open oaks, you know. Um, they lived up in them hills during the day, and they come down to feed at night. But, you know, there's so many deer out there. They live differently than a deer here. Like out there, you almost got to be in a tree with your muzzle loader or whatever because if you're on the ground, there's so many deer, they'll just pick you off. They'll see you. And that's what my buddy out there said. He said, you got a 40, 50 acre piece of timber or maybe even hundred. He said, you can one in, you go into one end of the timber. They're already going out the other end because that's how they survive in numbers, strength in numbers. And they live in that timber, you know, like deer here. You could, I can go sit on the ground, you know, here with my muzzle or bow late season. You're not going to have one deer bump another. It's not going to be a domino effect where yeah. they're going to disappear. You ain't going to see a deer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's fun out there. I, I go out there late season. I see deer all the time. I have chances at a at, at deer all the time. And I, what I learn, I, you know, you watch them on TV, and them guys are right. They know how to hunt them deer out there. And um, but they sit and wait for them to come out to the bean field, corn field at night, especially when it's really cold and they have to eat. So I did that last year, and I was trying to get into a, a spot where i get set up by a cornfield and watch the timber and um this was you know 10 degree weather and i knew they were coming to that corn so about 10 12 doe come down out of the timber and i tell you what they were looking down up in trees left right they were sniffing like it was like because it was january and people have been doing that and that's how they hunt in iowa you know so i'm like i was sitting up in a tree 20 feet my muzzle i can't even move they picked me off one was downwind upwind there was like deer everywhere you know so that was gone they're done so i said you know what i'm gonna do something different i said i'm gonna go up in a timber an hour before daylight catch them come up and it was no you don't see them do that on on, on tv yeah they don't hunt mornings <laughs> no, nobody does do that. that and even my farmer buddy out there he said we don't hunt till three o'clock. We sleep all day or whatever. We don't go out in the woods. <laughs> but when you're hunting that state land, you got to think outside the box. So I get up in the woods. I got up in our, it was like snow was crunchy as hell. I get up in the woods. I swear I blew every deer in the county out of that timber. Well, they weren't in a timber yet. They were out in that cornfield. So I get up in the woods. I sit on the ground. It was, it was about four degrees, you know, no, no wind or nothing half hour after daylight here they come they come up over that hill and they were drunk off of corn all night they walked right by me never even looked at me bo it was like <laughs> 120 inch deers just walking the night before they were coming out to the cornfield boy they had eyes behind her head on top of her head they're looking and smelling everywhere but i ended up getting one last year like that well i didn't find them i hit a big one i got next day i got out there it was minus seven degrees i got up in the woods and i from huddled up in a little ball here they come up over the hill and i shot one you know yeah but you just got to think outside the box you know it's not always i mean you got to learn from that people but public land you're gonna if you're gonna hunt public land you got to learn something from someone that hunts public land you know yeah. what i mean and think outside the box you got to think outside the box like ohio's starting muzzle loaders starting um thursday i'm gonna go out to ohio and there's a piece of state land beautiful piece of state land but it's pounded man there's some cornfields uh nice timber it's just beat you know they hunt the hell out of it so I, I snuck i haven't been there in a few years so this year i went and um checked out this this one ridge and all this this hillside was all white oaks i went in there october 7th 
acorns on the ground like marbles. You know, they're just laying there everywhere. But I was hesitant putting a camera because everybody's, there's a parking lot, there's a trail going back in there. I said, hell, I'm going to put a camera out. I put, there's a little half-ass scrape. I put the camera out October 7th. I left. I'm leaving. I ain't even to the parking lot. There's guys passing me going into the woods. You know what I mean? I'm like, holy shit, my camera's gone. But if you're afraid to get your camera, you know, I put them out, whatever they get taken, just go get another one. But then I come back in November. I walked, November, I got down there, 8th, no, November 13th, I went down there. It was about an hour before dark. I went in there an hour before dark purposely. I walked, and every, the, trail, well, the trail was beat down with people going back at Ridge, you know. I didn't see no sign, no rub, no nothing. And I hang a right, I get down on the hill, I go to get my camera. There's a tree stand right there, you know. And I grab my camera about 50 yards from that stand. Ain't a rub, ain't a sign of life. I checked my camera. There was 140, 130s. There was one pushing 150, all 12 a.m., 1 a.m., 3 a.m. You know, it's like, so I would never hunt there. You know what I mean? But I put that in the back of my mind. All them acorns are laying, and the leaves fell late this year. They're under there. They're hidden. It's like people put that electric fence around their food plot. They don't want the deer in there. All these hunters are in there, and all them acorns are laying under them leaves. So I know them deer are going to be back in january to eat them acorns you know because the guy's been keeping them all out of there and you get the small and a lot of them places i find just little doe tracks little doe because they're the and i learned this years ago back in southwest pa we used to push this late archery muzzle we used to pay, push the same woods same woods and then before you know it, the deer we were jumping we were jumping 20 of them then it was 10 then it was eight then before you know it the only deer we were jumping these small deer fawns you know these little i call them diamonds little small tracks you just see little diamonds and that's what you see on this public land because that's all that's left in there all the bigger ones the old bucks they don't want to be bothered but the small ones that live there they come into heat too so and it's usually later december january even you know but that place out there in ohio i'm, I'm I, I checked my camera that day or uh november and that guy's stand was there and all i did i like people and that's another thing people are afraid to walk through the woods i want to get right here i'm gonna hurry up get i don't want to spook nothing dude these deer live with humans you know what i mean they, they like especially a big buck you jump him once he's not going to move to the next county he lives there with humans he knows about hunters are in the woods you know just because i I, uh, I go through the woods like i i want to see what's going on there you know so i grabbed that camera that day and the guy's stand was there i just started hiking walking fast and uh i wanted to jump a deer because that told me it was an hour before daylight hour before dark if i jumped a deer that means there are, you know, and we just went through the first two weeks of November. That tells me, um, guys hunt them same spots, same trees of a path wanting to their stand. So if you can hike through the woods and you find a deer, there's a reason why that deer's there. Cause there's nobody hunting there. So I hike through the woods. I just, I go five damn near run through the woods. I just go, you know, I'll cover, you know, I, I want to find where the deer are. If it matters, I don't want to waste four or five days hunting a tree to learn that there ain't no deer there. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want to go, and if I jump one, it's not like that deer's like, oh, I'm going to move to the next county because it's a public land. You know what I mean? So, and that's that's some that's good advice there as far as like when you're hunting different areas like that, you gotta you gotta put boots on the ground to find them. You can't exactly, go in and just yeah. start hunting. A, you know, say you have five days to hunt, 
if it takes you a day and a half of scouting till you find where they're at, that's better than that's you what sitting you have, there. Yep. I've you know? done it. I've done it when I was younger. I'm going to hunt here. We don't want to be in here. We don't want to screw it up. I don't want to spook no deer. I got guys now. I can't believe you walked through the woods like it. I said, I want to know what's going on in the woods. Even if it takes me a day to do it because I've spent the five day hunts back 20 years ago, 18 years ago hunting. And then you're like, I was in a wrong spot. You get out, you walk. I should have been there. You see deer moving over there. I should have been over there. So just do it. Get it. Get, whether you're going to hike through the woods, like I said, but that's what I did. I hiked through the woods and I got to a spot where I found some rub lines. I still had some butterflies in my stomach. I was scared. To, I was down there to hunt that November 13th through the 17th. You know, I was down there to hunt, but I got, I was like, ah, I don't these rubs still might be nocturnal. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I just, and I didn't jump no deer. I just kind of stayed away and I'd have to put about five cameras out to tell me, okay, you know, now there's a chance that that November 13th, 15th, 16th, uh, a buck would come through there. You know what I mean? But I don't like not knowing, you know, I would have rather have had cameras out, you know, maybe, you know, before I got there, way more cameras and tell me what's going on. Cause you got to know what's going on in the woods. It's the biggest thing. I don't just go to a spot and hope that I hope a deer comes by. No, usually I would drive to Illinois and put five, six, seven cameras out and drive home. And I leave them cameras soak. I just let them soak. When I get, I want to know what's going on in the woods. You got a guy on your camera, but that's another biggest thing. People going to hunt that public land. They're afraid, you know, they're afraid they're going to screw it up. I don't want to go in there. I don't want to spook them deer. I'd rather, I'd rather just go through the woods and learn what's going on, pop a bunch of cameras out or whatever, you know, but that place in Ohio, I'm anxious to get down there next week. I know there, I wish I don't, I didn't, I pulled that camera, I don't have any in there, but you know, their season runs till February 4th. I've shot them down there January 24th, 25th, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, was that a couple of years ago that you're dragging them out and both antlers Yeah, both off? horns pulled off, but yeah, they're, they're, they're going to be in there and I hope they get some snow in that. I'd love to go to, I'm going to go to a muzzle loaders coming up, but I mean, at spots like that, you, you can only, because everybody wants them first two weeks in November. Everybody wants that. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and a lot of, and then gun season comes in and it's just, they just rape that land. But that doesn't, they're not stealing, they're stealing all the acorns. <laughs> they're all laying. I know they're laying there and white oaks are just, they're there. They're thick. So I know there's bucks going to be, I, I can't, I'm kind of looking forward to getting down there and hunting. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you just got to think outside the box. It's just, uh, the human pressure, pressure is the biggest thing you have to deal with, you know what I mean? But then again, the deer, if they're living there, they know humans exist and they live with them, you know, so they're doing it. They're making it. They're getting by, you know, so you spook one, you see a deer, it ain't the end of the world. Usually they do a circle anyways, you know, they run, that's where they want to be. And another thing I used to do, I used to have my dog, I used to take him in the woods with me. The more noise you can make, here boy, talk to him. You know, the deer was, okay, just a guy walking his dog. And we can hear him. He's over there. When everybody goes in there scouting, you do it. We do it now. Yeah. You should look at his spot. Look, you should look at that rub. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then yeah. you start sneaking right around. Look at that. You know? But that's a predator. You know? And that's what they're biggest, mostly afraid of. You know what I mean? It's predators. You know? But you go in there sneaking around. Yeah, you're that? you're a nature walker out there with your dog. They're not like, no. oh, he's no threat to us. Yeah, that guy ain't going to bother us. And then you leave, and then they come back. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, that's what I, and that's another thing you've said to me in the past too, is you're like a deer's bedding. If they're bedding in an area, they're bedding there for a reason normally. And they know their escape routes and they're going to come back there. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. They, they, they're there for a reason, you know, just cause you jump one time that ain't gonna, you know, uh, that one year in Iowa, I found a spot. There was 
there was a fence. This buck was crossing a fence. He was about 160, 170 inch deer. I was bow hunting that year. It was in November. I found all his beds right there. He lived right there. I said, his buck lives here. I actually went in there and I jumped him. It was some reason, I don't know what I was doing, but I went in, it was like an hour before dark. Uh, and I just wanted to go scout this place. I was like uh, zeroing in on this buck. He had rubs in different areas. I knew there was a big buck in the area. I just kept, you know, singling out place that he might be. And I said, man, I bet he's in this tree line. It was thick, some monkey ball trees. So I went in there. I jumped him. I turned around. I ran. My car was about a half mile away. I got my stand and I run back in there and put that stand up. You know what I mean? That was the best time. I said, because all his beds were right there. He had four or five beds. It was like November 9th. You know what I mean? And he was still, and that's another thing people don't. I found a doe over the hill two days before it was in full estrus. had six bucks behind her. He wasn't there. And that was his territory. That's where his rubs were. He don't want all that hassle. He don't want that something. He don't even want that first doe with seven bucks running around. Because I found his rub over the hill, big ass rub. I thought, oh man, I swear he's at. Next day, here come a doe. She's in heat. There's six, seven bucks there. Where's he at? He's still up on a hill. It's November eighth, ninth. He's still laying. He he don't want that for. He don't want that all that attention. He's going to get his when he wants his. You know, and that's the thing. He can pick and choose because he's in, in charge. I ain't fighting all them little fucking deer for that. No, you take him. I'll get mine, this old doe up here. She knows when she's ready. I know when he's ready. But anyways, I found where he was living. I found all his beds, bumped him. It was like an hour before dark. I run back, got my stand. It was windy as shit. I got a lock on up in a tree right there where his beds are. I said, he's laying and there was a CRP field and some bean fields. I know he was heading that way at night or whatever. So, and when I put that last, peg on and uh, put the stand on i actually got in the stand and i looked i seen a deer run on the other hill it was a doe another deer behind him it was that big buck i know it was i know it was they stood listen they stood there and watched me it was windy as shit they watched me get up in that tree i come back the next morning you know southwest wind i was on a downwind side of his beds and where he jumped that fence and I sat there, and and I knew he was bedding there. I knew he wasn't after them does yet because it just didn't. It's not what he did. So I next morning I said he's going to jump his fence, come out. Of, I'm going to shoot him right here, you know, because it was thick. That's where he bed and hung out. Well, what happened was he watched me get in that stand, and the wind was blowing from the trail to me, you know, and he come in the woods further away from my tree because he seen me put that stand up. That's another thing. That's why I like climbers. You, you, things are always changing. Well, you got to move. You got to be mobile. Such shit's happening here today, but tomorrow it's over here. It's over there. You know, it's, things are always changing. So that deer come in the woods maybe on the next trail up. He was about 90 yards away, but I could smell him. The wind blew right over his tarsal glands, hit me right in the nose. It was 8 o'clock in the morning. That's when they come in out and feel this. That bucks, he was, that was that deer yesterday up on that hill with that doe. He watched me. He's, he's not coming in these woods you know, near this stand, even though this is where he jumps and he lays. So I sat there and I'm like, you know, and you know, don't move. Just be quiet. Be patient. Stay there. I was like, I'm moving over there. So I got down at nine o'clock and I went that way about 70 yards. And I seen the trail that he came in on out of that CRP. I got up in a tree and, uh, he's, that's another thing. He's, he didn't leave that area. He's there for a reason. Even though this guy's sitting in a tree right here, he's still living here. My buddy did that one time in the Illinois, boxing him up in a tree. He kept hunting that tree. Well, here come two days later, um, 
The buck was chasing these two doe. The doe come right under a tree. That buck made a half moon. He went all the way around a tree and then back on a doe and kept chasing him. So I remembered that. So I got down. I went over to where that buck, you know, I seen that next trail where he came in the woods. I got up in a monkey ball tree. I sat there about 11 o'clock and uh, right before dark, uh, right down in front of me, um, there was about 150 inch eight point. I seen him a couple of days early, but that wasn't the one I was after. I was after this bigger one. That 150 inch eight point stood, you know, near that CRP. And I looked to my left and I hear that. Ch, ch, ch. I said, Oh, here comes that. And that's what he did. He used that next trail. Cause he seen me put that tree stand up in that tree the day before. So he just moved down another 50 yards, 70 yards. He's doing the same thing. And he come out and I had one hole at, at 20 yards. I couldn't get it on him. And he, he run that eight point up and uh, I took a shot at him. I hit him. I hit a limb, hit him on a leg. It wasn't even a vital shot, but like, uh, they'll live like you're up in a tree. He's still living there, even though I'm hunting in that tree right up there. You know what I mean? Yeah. He ain't going to go near there, but they, you know, he's bet. It's like you find them beds, you know, he's here for a reason, man. And, and usually when you find a place like that, the day goes so fast because he's living there for a reason. You know what I mean? But like you said, up in this area, a lot of these deer don't even have a core or a bedding area they just roam but if you got some more top topography or like a farm country and bedding there, there are them spots i mean there's a, and it all just comes down to from the I mean, individuals or yeah exactly and, and each area just adapting to it and trying to learn what they're doing you know and like you said if it takes a few days of scouting even if you only have five days of hunt it takes a few days of scout those three days you're going to get to hunt you're going to be in a way better position than you were if you sat in a tree for all five days. Yeah, and I don't, I'm impatient. I hate sitting in a tree. Yeah. So I make sure I'm in the right spot, did all my scouting, you know, and, and know what the variable hunting, which is hunting pressure. You don't know what that is. Learn all that. And then, okay, I'm in the right spot. And then there's times I've been in a tree to where I knew so much that I was in the right spot the time. And I, I knew I was going to kill a deer and I killed it, killed a deer. Cause it was just like, everything was perfect. You know what I mean? It's rare to have that happen, but it can come to that to where you're just like, so sure of yourself, you know, cause everything's just kind of all the stars line up, you know what I yeah. mean? But you got to know, I hate, I hate going to, that's why I hate going to a new public land and I'm going to hunt here. I, I can't, I have to know what's going on. That's why I said I, I just like studying these animals and learning. And I love hunting individuals. I like got one in Iowa that year. It was a CWD or, or EHD or whatever it was. It was killing all them deer. And it was hard to even find 150 inch. I lived out there. People said, you going to Iowa hunting? I said, when are you coming back? I said, when I shoot my deer. They're like, what? I was out there about three months hunting, you know. But I um. I found that deer and that's the animal I wanted. You know, I seen the hundred. My buddy come out. Chris came out. I said, there's 145 inch 10 and 150 inch eight in this spot. I said, go down there and hunt. I said, go down there. I said, go shoot him. You know, I'm, that's not what I'm after. And he got, he got the 10. He was 145. I said, yeah, that's the ones I seen the other day. You know what I mean? But I like hunting that individual. And up here, I, I like, because the personalities and people say that a buck moves out of an area, another one moves in, which is true. But I'm starting to find out sometimes it doesn't happen or sometimes another buck will utilize that area 
how he wants to use it, how he sees the terrain and how he sees life. You know, it's like you take, there might be three routes to get to work in the morning. You know, you go this way to get to work and then maybe another day you go this way or another person goes this route. This is how, you know what I mean? Might go down the interstate and guy might take the back road, you know? Yeah. And that's how you use your habitat and your terrain. You know and, what I mean? And, and it's everybody's funny, different. That, uh, yeah. Again, another thing that, that I've learned from you um, and your hunting style is funny because we always joke back and forth. You're like, you know, I'm, I'm after, you know, this deer and you're, you're so many pictures of these deer, you're passing and stuff. I said, John, those are beautiful deer. And you go, yeah. And, and, you know, and if I would shoot it or something, you wouldn't be like, oh, that's a small deer or anything. You'd be just as happy, but you're hunting a certain experience and you've hunted for a long time now. And you were telling me, you're like, I don't even know if I like killing that much. I just like trying to figure out these deer. And I'm right now I'm on a, I'm trying to hunt next level deer you know yeah i like i want to find people say don't exist except for we were joking around we're like you're like yeah i am figuring out though that sometimes when you have expectations there there has to be those deer actually living there yeah i know (laughs) you know that is another big thing you gotta make sure (laughs) but if i know that big 150 170 whatever i'm is there i can't take a smaller one this year i i had a seven point on my camera up in this area he's 135 inch big and Man, I could have smoked his ass, but I'm like, man, there's a chance. The buck I, I, I'm talking about, not the seven point, but the one I'm after, I ain't have, I don't even have a picture of him this year. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if he exists, but chances are up here he does. But last year he was about 170 inch, you know, and like, I, like that's the one I want in, in like my buddies back home. They're not in, I mean, well, you going after that unicorn again, John? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Go sit in the woods. But well, the, uh, yeah, you, cause you, uh, yeah, you're you're big on on doing that. You're hunting, you know, specific deer or whatever, and and uh, I I just always laugh and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm you know I'm hunting, you know, this deer. And I'm like, John, you know, the expectations around here, and and when most people, I hear it a lot. I'm talking to different people. They're like, oh, I passed on some 130s this year, and I'm almost. I don't want to say I'm rolling my eyes and you know, yeah, not in front of them, but like thinking like, okay, yeah, you passed on that kind of good deer, but I know you. And also, I've seen your wall, yeah. <laughs> walls yeah. of big deer that you've killed. So I know you're you're being serious about it when you're saying, "Yeah, this is the caliber of deer I want." And and you went, you went a couple of years there without filling a tag. Yeah, you're like, thought, yeah, definitely. you're like, I don't care. Nothing, nothing got me to the point where I wanted to to pull the trigger on it. Uh-huh. You know, I had fun seeing those deer yeah. and everything else, but you're like, I'm hunting something that's challenging myself to the point of that's what i and I, I remember back to when i was 12 for me to even get a buck was like over like i thought it was impossible because i missed some and i had a buck fever and i didn't know a lot and i didn't have a lot of place to hunt and like my dad didn't really hunt and i was so fascinated but i wasn't didn't know anything and i'm trying to get back to that to where it's like uh the deer i want when i do get them it's going to be above and beyond. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, if I lived in Iowa and I shot 145, 150 inch deer every year, it'd be fun. I'd enjoy it, you know, but if you only get one once a year or every three years and it's so rare, you know, it's like, I'm trying to get back to when I was that kid. And, you know, I didn't, I thought even getting a deer was impossible with my bow or my gun because I sucked that bad and I messed up so many, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm trying, I'm getting back to that. I want that challenge. I want that again. So when I get them, it's like, you just scream you're like oh man you know yeah you get that and it makes it as a mental game too because if if you're hunting a deer that you only might have a shot at every three four years 
mentally you you can't fuck up because you got that one chance out tougher yeah. you know and it's a big mental game just in general you know uh yeah and, and and like like you said it's 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 all in your own personal preference like you know you're not going to frown on someone for shooting a six point because that's you know that yeah. may get them just excited that's right but you're at a point in your life and your hunting career that you're like i want i want something that's going to completely get me excited i want this yeah next yeah level. when you get it and everybody looks at it like does that even exist you know holy mackerel i never seen it. a lot of deer i shoot now and people like back home they don't see oh they, they look at my house like oh, i i can't i never seen nothing you know but it's it's if you're in a hunting industry it's different than that but uh, a lot of them are public land but uh like both like you were saying bo about you know hunting the deer that you know i might never get like the deer you were hunting hercules a lot of time, I said, Bo, you know the most about that deer, but chances are, if he's at that age class, yeah, and I got that one shot at him, and I it. didn't capitalize, and that was, you know, that yeah, was your chance. But even after that, that's a deer that's, you know, you're hunting a deer seven years old, right? Eight, yeah. six, and it's yeah. like you don't make mistakes. He was either seven, well, he would have been eight this year if he made it, which I, I'm now starting to think that he died somehow. But I don't think a hunter got him or you would have heard about no. him. You know, he was well over 170 inches. You know, that's that's not normal. No, that, and, that, they get to that age. It's just like, you know, and it is a different animal. People, you know, hunting a yearling or a fawn or a doe or a two-year-old is different. They get to that age and they just, it's just like any, in general life, you, you learn to take shortcuts and live and survive and do things where you were younger you weren't as efficient and and it just comes with age and knowledge and, and i do believe and here's another thing i tell people you know people say oh, you take a take one it's 130 140 it's still six five year old deer it's still a trophy i didn't say it wasn't but i tell people so they look at me like i'm retarded but when that fucker has a 170 inch rack on his head and his points are 12 inches tall he's 22 inches inside you know there ain't many deer in the woods like that you know and he walks up to another deer and that other deer looks at him like he's seen a ghost because that other deer ain't never seen nothing like that. So he gets it. I mean, they're just like human. They're, they're just, you know, they get the same reaction. Like, you know, if you ain't never seen a good looking woman, and you've seen this beautiful woman, you're like, holy shit, look at that. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, so she knows the reaction and she gets that. And she's like, wow, there must be not a lot of these around here. You know, you're the only one around. Yeah. He got that on his head and he's walking around with this big rack on his head. He knows how, like a lot of the bigger bucks, they get away. Yeah, they're smarter and old, but I've seen 130, 140s old bucks get killed. But these big ones, they got this—they actually have to hide what they got on their head. And a lot of things I learned is from tracking deer. Like I said, I tracked them two bucks, and I think one was a, a, the older one, the bigger track. Um, I don't think his rack was as big as the other one, you know, and how he had to maneuver and he had that rack on his head. He had to go under stuff. And it's like, I got to hide this abortion here on top of my head. It's like sitting up here. Ain't no other deer got this. You know what I mean? It's like when you go down a road, you ever go down a road, your buddy go down a road and you look and you see a big buck along the road. You're like, oh, back up, stop. And they, that deer can see the reaction you give him. He ain't no dummy. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's stuff like that experiences he has as a deer it's like these fuckers ain't never seen nothing like this i, I gotta hide my ass you know what i mean yeah so it's stuff it's like it's that's how i look at like i said that's going back to when i was a kid i read all these magazines but it wasn't for what i was doing so i think most of the time i learned from my own experiences and i like to 
use analogies to be like, okay, let, let other people understand like this is how it is. You know what I mean? And um, putting them cameras are a huge thing. I rely a lot on, on them. But lately I've been putting two or three out in one area every 50 yards or something. You know what I mean? Just because of the fact that I've had camera right here, you know, shooting this way. And you could see 20 feet, 45 degree angle. And you got to, you know, oh, it ain't no deer. I ain't nothing here. Then you grab your other camera. You got five bucks on it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, it's like good and bad. But I think if you got enough of them out there, it's going to be good. You know what I mean? Yeah. And a lot of people are worried about um, getting their camera stolen. So I always take any more. I, I put them around my waist, three or four cameras, and I take a climbing stick. And I usually put them about maybe for scrape 20, 30 feet or trail tw rubs 20, 30 feet. I keep them away and I get up in a tree and I got all different color cameras, dark, light, whatever tree fits. And I put that up there, you know, about 15 feet. And rarely. I love looking at your trail camera pictures when you put them on the computer because I'm like, how high were you in this? Yeah, tree you got whatever it is. You're like, oh, I climbed up the limbs and hung this down, and yeah, and you have it, it's crazy to see that sometimes. And it all, like you said, depends on the area. It, but you know, it's how, what are you will? How bad do you want it? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like, and it's teach their own. It's what I want to do. But or I'll put them low on it, like a foot off the ground, but on a steep hillside. I had one down Ohio. I went, I went, I went down there, another spot down there. I got a guy's foot, you know, cause he stood right in front of my camera, but he never seen it. Cause it was a steep hillside and I was shooting my camera downhill, but it was only a foot up on a tree. And I put like limbs and bark and shit around her and hit it. But I got a guy's foot, but you know, if I had it four feet off the ground, he might've taken it or whatever, you know what I mean? But you got to think outside the box and think. yeah, but yeah, the biggest thing, I, I don't know if you, is to learn from the animal you're hunting in that area that he inhibits yeah you know yeah it's 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 funny so like to backtrack a little bit i don't how long have i known you now has it been about three years uh probably too long bo too long yeah it's, i know i'm about <laughs> ready to end this whole i've probably four or five years now yeah and since I, I, started I think it that was it did i find on instagram or yeah something. that's what it was at first you i don't know how i found you or you found me whatever it was was you had a picture when you had your old jeep cherokee and you had all these sheds laying on the thing yeah. like northern pennsylvania i'm like who's this asshole that's up <laughs> here doing this you know and i don't remember again if i messaged you or you messaged me and we just started talking found out you're hunting like right next to where i was same yeah area and then, you know, you're like, hey, I'm coming up this weekend, the summer, check cameras, you want to meet up? So uh -huh. I was out checking cameras, so were you. We met up on a dirt road out in the woods and yep. and just started talking and and uh, hung out from there. And then after that, I was I went down to your house well, a few times now, but the one the first time I walked in, they like, come upstairs, check out some of my deer on the wall. I walked upstairs, and you would have thought you're, I don't know, you would have thought you were in Mark Drury's house yeah. or something with the, and you're like, oh, these are all public land bucks, and I'm like, really? Like, you had one from Illinois, I don't know, what is he, like 18 points or something? That no, one, that oh, was, I was one I had around my my area, back home. Oh, okay, that's what yeah. it was. But I've, I've shot some around southwest Pennsylvania. I've shot one, I remember they extended a muzzleloader till January 25th, and I was hunting this one deer. And I was in a hard hunted area, you know what I mean? I was in a tree. Well, I shot him with a bow January 24th. I had a shed from me. He was 100, 155. And you're talking about an area that only has two to three year olds, 110, 120 is a huge buck, you know. And I remember I shot at that right before dark. And I sent pictures to people, you know. 
I didn't have no Instagram. I sent him people. They didn't believe me. One buddy sent it to his. It was down a bar and showed him, that's from Ohio. There's no deer around here like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but that's people's mentality. But they there are there are some down at just anywhere you can find a good. Some of them get away. You know what I mean? But they're doing something right. And you got to learn that animal. You know what I mean? But yeah, um, like that time, like you said, I had all them sheds on a hood. Um, I started shed hunting up here six, seven years ago. And. Nobody shed hunted up here. I run into some guys up on a road where I hunt, and uh, they hunt from what I, they're locals, and they hunt this area, and um, I was in a wood shed hunting, and, and I run into them, and they end up coming out to my vehicle, and they seen all them horns in the back. Where'd you get them? Where'd you get them at? So I found them in Ohio. I got to play. I didn't tell them, but <laughs> and then uh, I found a lot of old horns. People weren't shed hunting. Now, um it's a it's a craze man it's there's popular, guys up here yeah. pounding these woods and uh with dogs and everything dogs else. and i go in there and that's why a lot of times anymore i just like having them cameras out you know 10 15 cameras or something just kind of watching through after christmas through spring just to see what's there because chances are if if i get time to come up here chances are they already went through that area you know what i mean yeah but it is what is it's 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 you you can't be a pessimist you can't oh god a lot of guys oh guys in my spot i said well go find another spot there's you got to have a couple spots on hand you know yeah. someone there and i'm like well i usually know more about that deer than anybody in that spot and and i use them people to my advantage i told dave i said hey he ends up here. I said, he's like, oh, God, my spot. I said, who cares? Go to another spot or use him to your advantage. He's here. Well, then don't go there because chances are, you know, he's hunting the same tree and he's going to keep hitting that spot. But like I said, that's why I don't use a lot of climbers. I'm mobile. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Or you I mean, mean a lot of, use a lot yeah, of I don't use a lot of lock-ons. Just kind of always moving. You, you never know. If things are always, I like sitting in it. I like get down and pussyfoot around a little bit, you know, and get yeah. back up in a tree, you know, because it's a never, it's always changing in the deer woods. What's going on? You know, you got to kind of try to be, I've watched a lot of hunting videos where a guy just sat in the same tree for days or years. Like, dude, move. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, and uh you yeah because you were telling me about you know using your climber and stuff and i use climbers and i use i use a lock-on that's really mobile one that's you know lightweight sticks and i yeah, I'm able yeah. To move so it's similar uh um setups but you your lone wolf you were repairing it last year something happened you have a lone wolf with a hand climber yeah and uh you've had that for how many oh, yeah. years now that was before before most people knew about lone wolf you yeah. had one and have been using it religiously you're you were telling me you're like invest in a good stand like this because it yeah, lasts I, you and it's yep. light and easy i had the up. one year for about eight ten years and i was about two years ago i was going up and the seat broke on me i said man maybe it's time to buy a new tree stand you know, so <laughs> the bolts broke because i just i just should have changed all the hardware but i bought a, a new that's what i use that lone wolf but like out in iowa i take a lot of lock-ons uh <laughs> i remember it was just not a, you were like but was there any place around here to buy lone wolf stands? Yeah. I was like, no. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's not. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I need one like now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but them them lock ons are good. But it seems like you get them in a spot and then I'm moving them. I'm, I'm moving them, and it's just. But out in Iowa, I use them. Um, the tree, a lot of white oaks, not a lot of straight trees. You know. Yeah. But um, yeah. I the, so the the setup I have, I don't remember if I've ever showed you, but I have a hawk one, and lone wolf makes similar setups, but. It's all aluminum, so it's super lightweight. That, and I carry, I used to only carry three sticks. Now I carry four, and I can get like 16, 18 feet with that. Sometimes a little higher, sometimes a little lower, depending on the setup. But I've just practiced with it so much 
that I have a system. I can get up and down a tree just as fast as I can with a climber mm-hmm. with that because I've just, you know, it's all about what you use and how you, yeah, yep. and, but before I just thought with lock-ons, it was just, you had the steel ones that clipped in the, you know, the, the sticks that weighed 20 pounds yep, itself yep. and everything else. And I've kind of modified that to be able to, and the only reason why I prefer them over climbers is I can get in some weird trees. Yep. Sometimes I'm only hunting people laugh at me. I'm only hunting eight, 10 feet off the ground. Yeah. And it all depends on the setup. You're right. And what I, if I know, if I go into the woods, I want to be able to pick the tree that I want to, or I want to pick the spot and be able to hunt, exactly. hunt the spot, Find the right not, tree. Yeah. yeah. And be able to, to your do, spot yeah. and do that and be able to move. And, and like you said, sometimes I'll be up in a tree and I realize, all right, I saw five deer moving down there just out of range. I'm probably going to move my stand yeah. and not just, oh, well, I hope they come by me next time. Exactly. It's kind of, you get lazy, kind of. It's yeah. easy to get lazy. You start, yeah. you're hunting for a couple of weeks and stuff. Yeah. And you, you get know, tired. You're kind of grilled to be like, be quiet. Just stay there. Be quiet. You know, when you're a kid out on you, just stay there. Be quiet. Stay at the tree. And, it's, and that's what I said. There's times I moved like last year at a big eight point, 150 inches hunting. I moved probably six times. And. Honestly, I did a little like when I found him when he was he was bedding in that thick you know that twenty year old clear cut or whatever. I should have did a little more scouting, but I hurry up and got a tree. I get up a tree, you know, because it's just in your mentality, oh man. But I did. Uh, I moved a few more times and I seen them, you know. But then then after the season, I found the exact spot I should have been in. But um, you know, it was still green when I found that spot, and there wasn't a lot of you know by the end of the season. This man, if, so I went back here this year. And I think he made it through. I went back here this year. That's another thing. I'm learning a lot of these deer up in this area. I don't know if it's a pecking order or what it is because all the area is pretty much the same as far as food. Um, Like that buck, I had him on camera second to the last day of rifle. And I'm saying he made it through rifle season. And I said, oh, next year, he's in. I know where to get him. He's going to... He, he he moved, you know. He's not there, and I, I heard got wind of another guy got him on camera somewhere, but not that spot. Why? And and last year when I was there, his rubs were on the top of that hill in that twenty year old clear cut everywhere, beds everywhere, and he had rubs from the year before. I said, so I didn't get him last year. Seen him three times, made it through rifle. I said, oh, it's a no brainer. I can kill him next year. You know, yeah. he wasn't there. Three bucks up here from last year um, that. I was like 90% short. It made it through gun season. And I knew these deer. I had enough years with them and knew the land and knew where they hung out. Uh, and then this year, it's just, it, I didn't have none of them on camera. At eight point, that big 12 and another 10, I was like, where'd they go? You know what yeah. I mean? And I'm pretty sure they made it through. And it's just like, so when you're, when you're going in to find, you know, some of these spots, like, are you looking at maps ahead of time or are you just, you know, kind of walking through the woods or how you kind of, you know, cause there's a lot of woods. To yeah. Walk I, in. I start off, you know, uh, and it's the deer need, they can't just have, they need food cover. You know, that's the biggest thing. Um, they like not just one, they don't want just one 500 acre clear cut. They want some topography, water, a little bit. You kind of find a little bit of everything. Like you look at them aerial photos, Google or whatever Onyx, and you see maybe a 20-year-old clear cut, maybe a fresh one like right up the road, maybe, uh, you know, a, a hillside, a mature forest, you know, like every seven, eight years, 
that's the type of you know your force would be seven eight years difference when you're managing land they say but like have a young forest you know just clear cut maybe a little bit old so like they like um a little bit of everything and they love edges too on the edge of them them different like maybe a mature woods but i i look when it has um maybe a a little bit but then again up here you can get into some big open woods that it's open enough and a lot of these deer eat blackberry briars and you can't see that it, they're in the clear cuts yeah but you get into these big open cherries these big nice hollows it might be covered with ferns and blackberries um briars and you know and you can't tell that from you can't map. tell that so yeah you gotta but but if you can find a, like a clear cut and, and then find where something it's a little harder to access yeah keep some of the people away you know that always helps yeah i remember a couple years ago you were telling me about a spot you're like it's not that far in but i had to bring waders in or whatever to get across the creek yeah you're like just by that barrier keeps people yeah, out you yeah know, just yeah that's anything that's if it's tough to get to um that's that's going to help um a long walk i ain't afraid to walk you know um and it's tough hunting public land i said it's more challenging like uh than out maybe in the midwest hunting in blinds box blinds i mean we're going back in the woods a half mile you're gonna sweat the wind up here does does what it wants and uh it's just difficult it's a challenge you know but if you can find basically get your boots on the ground but like i said and another thing but people don't realize um <clears throat> pennsylvania back in the what 20s 30s back in the 1900s this land was raped they cut all the trees and and then the forest started growing and the deer population started growing you got to the 70s 80s the population was out of control there was a lot of deer and nobody knew what the potential of the deer in pennsylvania as far as rack could be you know because when i was you know in in back in the 90s when i started coming up here late 80s 90s it, it, you know there was everybody goes up north the deer ain't big up there but uh there's a lot of deer see a lot of deer well they ate themselves out of a house and home after um the populations got so big you see the browse line through the woods four or five feet off the ground so then the deer um killed themselves you know people think uh, game wardens put all this coyotes and killed them but they died off and then they grew back and the the numbers were real low and they started gradually growing back and now we're getting some big deer up here and the food is here and i tell people i said hey you walk through the woods up here you see carpet pine, you see blackberry briars, there's uh, in a winter, wild strawberries on the ground crawling everywhere, you know, ferns, they eat the ferns. Um, to me, there's half a dozen things that are growing in a winter that the deer eat. You go out to Ohio, um, you got the Illinois, that, that timber that doesn't have that. They're all oak, um, just open like down Ohio where I hunt down near the Ohio River, them big rugged landscape there is just, there's no there's not much if there's no acorns in them woods there ain't nothing for them to eat you know i've there's seen no, yeah you there's were nothing me. but that's what i mean like you come up here i'm like look at all the food that's here look at these deer in the last five years you're 250 pound deer these big fat deer you know big body i said pennsylvania's gonna grow some big deer because they never you know it wasn't known as a big because and, and if, what happened and if past. you look at it just from a standpoint of oaks or whatever you might or cornfields or ag or anything you're like oh there's not that much food here but in reality there's more food there, than anywhere there's just, more yeah it's just not concentrated to one area but if you find things like say clear cuts or you know a lot that creates a lot of food and yeah. cover and then depending on the age of the clear cut and then like you said briar bushes you know if cherry trees if they have black yeah. cherries on them that's another food mm -hmm. source and 
So it's to kind of circle back around to your scouting, you know, you're kind of picking these areas that have different, you know, either train or, um, a different break a variety, of, a variety of stuff. Yeah. And then you're going to put boots on the ground mm -hmm. and, and then once you get in there, now you're figuring out, okay, well, this has briars. I'm going to take a mental note of this. Mm -hmm. or this has this and, and just kind of seeing how the deer are using it, you know, and, and like you said, each area is just different. And there's not and a lot of adapting. in this area's funnels and, you know, a lot of, I know a lot of people, oh, look at these two pieces of timber. This creates a funnel, which is nice. But up here, there's not too many funnels. I like you, you like to hunt creek bottoms. They do travel to creek bottoms, you know, that's just a general, you know, ditches, drainage ditches. But a lot of time people like if, if you could hunt uh bow hunt in Pennsylvania up till, you know, another week up to the 20th, you know, up to, up to, I mean, um, um, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, you'd kill a lot more bucks and then them, them Creek bottoms. And then the deer will travel more to find them other does, but, uh, the, the deer ain't travel. I mean, they, they do the last couple of days, but, um, uh, it just, and, just I, and, and speaking specifically again on Pennsylvania, I like that we don't have a super high deer population because those bucks are traveling looking for those. You're deer. right. Yep. And they, they have more food because the forest is so healthy. Oh, because man. of the it's lower unreal. deer populations. Yep. I mean, I could go for days on this, but yeah. Penn State, a lot smarter people and I have professors have done studies on this and, and actually listened to it on a podcast Wired to Hunt did with a guy from Penn State. And he was talking about how the forest in pennsylvania are as healthy as they've ever been yeah, that's and true. that's why we're seeing these older deer that's why we're seeing these big yeah. deer that because they got all this food and there's not as much competition for the food because mm -hmm. there's not giant deer populations so it is a struggle for say like getting kids and stuff involved because they're not seeing as many deer it's hard to you know get them interested but for us that are trying to kill these you know yeah. bigger deer older deer it's a good situation right now and but again not not to put it lightly and act like you can just come up here and kill some really big deer. It's still extremely tough. It's very tough. It's probably it, you know these big woods are tough, man. Any state, yeah. You got a big woods and there ain't no concentration of food to funnel the deer like out west. Yeah. You know, there's another states I haven't hunted that are you know, but uh, you, you can use you know bits and pieces from places you learn and put it all together. But yeah, the you know the the population here is low, but. Um, like I said, the food is super abundant, you know, and it took that when a plan is stressed out, it doesn't, when it's eight down to a nub for so many years, 10, 20 years, you know, then say the deer die off that, that plant, it just like animals, humans all get stressed. It's not like oh, next year, it's just going to be this bountiful variety of growth. It takes years for that um, plant to, to recover from that stress, that over-browsing for so many years. It takes it took 20 years. To, now, I, I remember when I was coming up here as a kid, I'd see all the variety of plant life at home, southwest Pennsylvania. And I come up here, and I didn't, there was none. You know, but now I'm starting, I'm starting to see a match how there's a lot of variety and that's what a deer, you know, their browsers, not grazers, really. They're mainly yeah. browsing, eating this, not corn and that. I mean, that's, they're adaptable and they can live anywhere. But that's what I said, the potential of these deer in Pennsylvania, you don't know how big and they're going to get. Honestly. It's funny, like it, when you spend as much time in the woods as we do, like watching deer and what they do, like I've watched does come through just browsing on sticks that are yeah, hanging off trees. You're like, what do you mean? Yeah. Like this is that, that's what you're going to choose to eat, but they do, they'll eat whatever, you know, it's, it's pretty, it's interesting, I guess, to, to see that. 
And They're hardy, yeah. They can, they can. I know that one probably about five years ago I had a three foot of snow for a long time up here, and they just ate sticks. Like you go down, they just eat trees. And I found a lot of dead fawns, full belly, you know. They, yeah. But they just starved. There wasn't enough nutrition in them. But, but a lot of these big bucks, like I said, they're not so much worried about. It's more more survival and being strongest and fittest and being the, you know, not about getting five does or the first doe and, you know, it's just it's a different you know you can go a whole different conversation about mature deer versus young deer and what the you know older bucks compared to younger deer and how it's just a different animal you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, one thing I want to I want to comment on because I I feel like uh, you'll hear questions about it. Or I'll get questions about it is with you. You're talking about like, you're like, oh, when I went to Iowa back in the day, I'd just go until I killed a deer. Well, you have built your whole life basically around deer hunting yeah. where you've started your own business. You have an excavation business in the Pittsburgh area. And when it's not hunting, you you told me before, and I laugh about this, and I'm kind of getting this way. You're like, I'm either in work mode or I'm in hunt mode. Yeah. So all when it's not hunting season you're working seven days a week. You're working long days to do this. And then when it's time to hunt, you're like, I'm taking off and this is what I'm doing. I'm in hunt mode. Because uh, we, we were joking. I said, you got to quit being so yeah. busy at work because last couple of years, yeah, you I've were been working really busy. all through the yeah. rut. Yeah. And you're like, Bo, I can't just go hunt for two days. You yeah, go, just, I need to fully a lifestyle. change my brain over yeah. to hunt mode and, and you know, get into it. It's, it's funny that, but it's, 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 you know, inspired me. I was like, man, I would, you know, I wish they would have taught me that in school <laughs> as far as, and, uh, you know, building your life around it. You've, you know, made that you d- don't have a typical job with it, which is you're not doing a nine to five, you're working whatever you need to. And then yeah. when you're, when you have your work done for the year and you've made the money you need to, to survive, that's it. then do what you want. Yeah. You do what you want. Yeah. The first year I went to Iowa, the last three years. This is my fourth year. I started an excavation business, but I did work for another guy before that. And I said, hey, come October. I'm gone. I can't. I remember I was working somewhere. I was putting water line in, and, and I looked over in this guy's yard. There's these big rubs, you know, and uh, my crew was working. I jumped off the machine. I run down in the woods, and I come out of the woods, and the guy's like, where were you? I said, man, did you see that rub? I was down there just walking around, and that guy's checking it out. And uh, I think the next day, I, that was... Uh, that was probably seven, eight years. The next day, I had an Iowa tag a year. Next day, I jumped in my Jeep, and I was gone. I was in Iowa the next day. I, I got to go. I got an Iowa tag. I'm out of here. But I went to Iowa. People were like, oh, yeah, you going to Iowa. How long? I said, I don't know. Do I shoot my deer? What, are you going for a week? And I said, no. Do I shoot my deer? You know, <laughs> I was living out of my Jeep on a state land, you know what I mean? The game warden, I'd run into gates. I said, I'm just going to pull in this parking lot and sleep. I said, I'm in the woods all day anyway. Whether I went out maybe the second, third week of October. And I, back then, I didn't have I didn't have Onyx. I didn't have Google. I had a flip phone, and I had maps and notebooks. You know what I mean? I studied maps, and I just got my boots on the ground. They had a, yeah, that year, they had CWD. It was a problem, but I finally, that, that's that one year, I, I found that 170. Yeah. I didn't, and I had four encounters with that deer down in that bottom. I hit him on a leg, and I seen him another time. I was coming down out of my tree. He was watching me. And another time, I oh, I shot at him another time, right on the edge of a, a thicket. He was with a doe. It was like until November 10th, he was still in his 
like crepuscular, you know, going out before dark, you know what I mean? And like I said, down the road, these bucks are all crazy running. And then, and I told another thing, a lot of public land, a lot of these people go to Iowa, you know, and yeah, the first two weeks of November are awesome, but I've killed them at the end of November. You know what I mean? With a bow because they pound, they pound, they pound them woods, you know? Um, you might find, be able to find a spot nobody's hunting, but then everybody goes home for the holidays. And I was out there. Everybody went home for the holidays. And then, you know, end of November, everybody's waiting for Charlie. Nobody, nobody's bow on that public land. Them bucks are still running. Like, that's another thing. Like, the peak times that everybody goes, that's not like there's so many deer. The deer population's healthy out in Iowa. No, there's does everywhere. And they don't breed them all in the first two weeks. They're breeding through November. You know, I'd see them all the way in december you know chasing does and january even you know it's not it's but but you have to scout them areas and make sure nobody's hunting there you know what i mean yeah and then have to have the time to hunt it you, you gotta have the that's what i said i said i'm going to iowa i was staying in my jeep and then i just living in my jeep you know and then oh i met up with some a farmer and, and uh, i got to know him and uh i ended up staying living with him i was living out there with the farmer and he was combining <laughs> corn and he needed someone to drive the um, semi to haul grain to the. I said, I'll drive it. I don't care. You see, I said, I got truck driver. I said, I'll drive it. <laughs> so my buddies are calling me. How's it going? I said, I'm hauling corn. <laughs> you know I, mean? yeah. I got to pay for my stay here, you know? Yeah, that, that, that was that was one of the funniest part. You're like, yeah, I was staying in my Jeep, and this guy's like, what are you doing? You know, and you got yeah, to know him this and his wife. They, they see, they hunt and live right by public land. They see hunters, like, they know how big hunting is. And I was there myself. Where are you staying? So I'm just sleeping in my Jeep. My wife's like, "You can't be sleeping. We got an extra room." <laughs> if you ever and I and then I didn't stay there, but, and then I end up stopping back and talking to him, and and I got a good relation with him with him. But uh, yeah, now now you go out. I mean, you've spent you know since I've known you, you go out there every year around Christmas time, and yeah, and, and stay spend- there, and I hunt all that state land, or I could hunt their their land. They don't have a lot of timber, but it's just. And I, I remember when you were telling me, you're like. Uh, just this past week or whatever, you were out there. You're like, yeah, I cut firewood for him and did yeah. you know whatever, whatever it needs done. You know, I help out around yeah. there, and that's that's neat. You know that you were able to do that. But when I first met you, and I was like, this guy's freaking crazy. Yeah. He just drives all over the country, yeah. lives out of his jeep, and does whatever. Just uh, you know, yeah. And that that was uh, before I started my business. I thought I was worse then because I remember I was driving to Iowa. I was out there living out there, and then I had this big buck in Pennsylvania, the one near my house. It was 156 inch. I said to them people in Iowa, I said, I'm going to drive back and hunt a couple days, and I'll be back. I drove all the way home. I rifle hunted the last couple days of PA after that one down, down uh, in southwest pa where i live drove all the way home hunted there for a couple of days and i drove back out to iowa and i hunted there for a little bit i said well i'm gonna go back to pa muzzleloader season start i drive all the way back muzzleloader hunting that deer you know but I, it would be nothing to me. I said, or i would be like I'd, I'd i always watch the weather you know and i'd be man i need to be in ohio i'd, I'd leave at one time i left montana i was hunting whitetails swan valley i was right for man i think i head down to ohio and i drove 28 hours you know <laughs> cold front's coming i gotta go snow melted air i was out there tracking deer that's a whole nother subject i can get on a buddy of mine tracks him deer out montana up maine and that and he's like premier like he's into that i learned a lot from him like i told bo told you so go out in the winter just track him deer you're gonna learn so much the one i shot this year up here rifle hunting i just told you um 
I started tracking a deer uh, the second day of uh, gun season. I picked up a track, and I could tell it was a mature deer. And he went up, and he went up in his uh, hemlocks and beech brush. And he he was uh, I didn't tell you this. He was looking for a certain tree, a certain hemlock, and a certain flat spot. He was looking. I told I told you he would go up across the creek up in these hemlocks he'd stand you could see standards hemlocks look around look to the left and he walked to the right 50 yards gotten some more hemlocks and he come down a hill it was almost he was looking for something like he misplaced something you know what i mean and then when i jumped him um i took a picture where he jumped out of it was a typical you know it was a big buck bed he had a big oak tree behind him and some beach brush big flat spot and right before i jumped him i knew i was going to jump i said this deer's He's looking for a certain, he wasn't sure exactly where this spot was. He was just walking around the, he found that spot and that's where he wanted a bed for the day. Because, you know, they them big bucks, you find a big buck bed. I, it's typical saying this is a big buck bed. You could just tell it has all the same features. You know, it has a, it has a nice flat spot, maybe under a hemlock or, or dead log, or even like down Ohio, Iowa, Illinois, he's got them big open woods. They lay right up against a big oak tree. You know what I mean? Or a dead, it's like, it's not just laying anywhere. It's, you know, and you could see the size of it, but, but that buck, I jumped him and I, you know, I tracked him probably 400 yards and, uh, I ended up shooting the wrong deer. Cause, uh, you know, when you're tracking deer, you don't have a lot of time. It's like rabbit hunting, you know, you're like, boom, there he goes, shoot. You know, it's not like you look, look at the rabbit and see how big his ears are and measure him. You know what I mean? Like, a, yeah. you know, you can't judge a deer. And I, and I had a hard time in the past tracking deer because I wanted to shoot, you know, like up Maine. They're worried about weight, body weight, but I'm still a rack hunter. I'm looking for last year. I jumped one and it, it was 150 inch and I'm looking and it was in the snow and he jumped and he ran. I'm like, yeah, maybe I'll shoot that. I'm like judging it. And by the time I got time to the shot, my shot's gone because I'm trying to study his rack. He was a good deer. But the one this year, I said, yeah, no, if I, I tracked him 400 yards, I jumped him back air out of his bed. I said, if I see him or if I see a deer out in front of me, it's him. I'm shooting, you know. There was no other deer tracks around. So he angled down the hill and I looked. I seen a deer paw on the ground. I seen rack about 100 yards. I started pumping lead at him, you know. And then uh, I walked, I, I got him. I walked down. I said, Man, that ain't the deer I jumped out of the bed back here. I said, this one ain't nowhere near that one. This is, it was like a two-year-old, you know. Uh, and in the meanwhile, uh, when I was shooting at this one, uh, to the left, there was a deer stand, and I seen out of corner of my eye it run over the hill. I, I got back on the set of tracks that I was following, and when it went down the hill, it veered to the left. So the buck I was after was actually standing to the left there, you know what I mean? But uh, that's another subject. I, a buddy of mine from Massachusetts, he, he hunted all over. And, man, you could learn so I learned so much from him um, in his experience tracking deer, you know. And that's another thing. Uh, a lot of stuff we talk about in the hunting we do doesn't incorporate tracking and learning what the deer do in the snow. Like these people up in Maine and track all these deer in these big woods, they learn so much because they see what the deer do. We see rubs through October, November, and scrapes, and we got to put the pieces of the puzzle together. Now, granted, the winter time's different, but them got you know. I went with my buddy Tom. He lives in Massachusetts. He shot them big bucks all through there, and and uh, he I went tracking with him one day in PA about a few years back. It was like he was like adrenaline junkie. He was like sixty years old. His buck track crossed the road. It was last day of rifle season. Oh, there he is! And we got on a track. I followed him. He said, just follow me, you know, and he, oh, stop. I said, what do you mean stop? Nah, he, we can't go. He, he you know, he, he like, he knew when to stop and he knew when to go after the deer. We bumped him, asked, stop him. He, he, 
he's he knows we're on him. We got to give him some time. And I was like, and then no shit. Tom was like, long story short, he said, hey, he's here. He's gonna lay down. Motherfucker, how you know he's gonna lay down? He's here. He's gonna lay down. And fucker was laying there thirty yards. Fucking walked up on him. He missed him. It jumped up and ran. But it was like. And, but and he told me why he was going to lay down and you know all this stuff that you know just like that you don't see and now i incorporate like that i shot that deer this year i use some of his his techniques and that but like i told i told you all the time i said go out in the winter just track them and like a buck trying to find that bit he was looking for just like they're not just they're just like you just learn a lot from you them. just learn you just in general you can go like you said before we started you can go on for we could be here till midnight and keep talking about deer and different situations but like the biggest thing is if if you're wanting to hunt public land um no you know like i said when i went to ohio this year i had butterflies in my stomach i said man this is a lot of acorns here but the pressure i didn't know that variable i don't know how bad the pressure was you got to figure out the pressure and how 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 hard them guys are hunting it and if they're in and put your cameras out see if if their deer are there they're living with them humans so find out you got to it's not going to be if you're going to go out and hope that ain't no good i mean you got to do a lot of work and the best time to go out is even if you're not going to hunt like ohio if you're not going to go late season hunting leave your camera i say let them soak leave them cameras out there just let them soak they'll tell you what's going on in them woods and you can put the pieces but don't just have one camera i mean you got to have 10 15 cameras three or four in an area here you know just to see what's going on i mean that's your best way of knowing what caliber animal lives there if it's something you want to shoot or if he, he doesn't live there and then it'll tell you you know if you see him all at midnight then it's probably the hunting pressure you know what i mean but uh i mean i've hunted a lot of bucks out in a, closer to ohio just just you know near southwest pa just across the border i mean a lot of them bucks sometimes they live right by the road that one deer was living right along the road and it makes sense why would they be way back in the woods uh if all the danger comes from the road the next road's like a mile away you know what i mean it's like they want to know they just like me wanting to know what's going on in the deer woods when i'm going hunting they want to know what's going on in their life out there in the woods they're going to lay near the road near a parking lot and they're going to watch it and a lot of times like down in ohio i had my buddy down there um uh, down by ohio river you know in uh near kentucky there was this big bowl on both sides of the road and there was a rub cross rub line crossing and Bobby Glenn, and so we went in there and pussyfoot around, find all kind of rubs, and I told my buddy, I said, man, this deer's here, it's here, but we just parked on a road, and these bulls, it's like big amphitheater, I said, he's probably laying up on these points, he probably knows we're parked here, we're done already, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, people don't think, and I said, I said, how about we get out of here, I come back and drop you off, I just keep driving up the road, because it's no shit, they're like, he's probably laying up there, and you've, you park, and you go in the woods, you climb up your tree you think he's going to come around no he fucking already knows that moves like I, there's another thing i tell people i said walk in the woods when you think you're you know there's a time to be quiet you know when you're hunting and going in and there's time you can't help but make noise to get to your stand always walk like a deer he'll touch i've killed deer that way say that i walked right up on him because that's what the the biggest thing when i was up in alberta the outfitter there jim old jr which i had on the podcast here you know, well known for killing big deer. And when he went through training, before we were even allowed to go out in the stand, he made his practice out in the yard walking like a deer. Because yeah. when you walk to your stand, when we drop you off, they dropped us off in like side by sides. He goes, You go heel toe, yep. heel t- couple steps, stop. Yep, take a couple grunt call. Step, yep, stop. And he's like, You walk like a deer, and then you, they're not frightened. He goes, They know humans' footsteps. They know it. And that that's and that's another big thing is uh and another thing like when I was out in Iowa this year, 
When you go in the woods an hour before daylight, their brains shut off to humans. It's done. You walk up on them. They'll get up and they'll run, but they'll come back because they don't know. They don't associate. It's all associated. They don't associate with dark with humans being in the woods. I walked up. I went out this year. And these does were bedding on this ridge, and I kicked them all. They went. And once I seen them, I had my light on my uh, hat. I could see it stone out there 50 yards. It stood there watching me get up in a tree. It did store. It didn't do it. I just stood there. It didn't know what I was. Even though I sound like a human walking through woods, they shut off to that. So it's like good to go in at night. Like and when then, you go check cameras at night. You were telling uh, I, me before, yeah. you love doing that. I get to a spot, Ohio. I remember my buddy down there. Uh, I met up with him and and I said, hey, I got to go. I got to go check my cameras. He said, what? It's 10 o'clock at night. We got a beer to drink. I said, no, it's the best time. I said, that's a good spot. The wind's always bad. I can't get in there. I go up 10 o'clock at night, check my cameras, 9, 10 o'clock at night. You know, that's the best time to check them, you know? Yeah. Because you, you can walk up on a deer. You know, you got there. If it's a spot that you want to hunt, but you don't know what's there, you don't want to you don't want to walk in there to screw it up. But I go there middle of the night, come out of woods, 10, 11, 12 o'clock. I'm still checking cameras. You know what I mean? <laughs> but the one year I was in Ohio hunting at public land. You near, wonder why I th- said that you were crazy. It, it, but you got to think like that you know what i mean listen to this story one year i was in ohio public land there's nice big bowl right and uh there was a power line that went up through the with a up through the bowl and, and i hunted the edge of the power line i got up my tree and uh a nice seven point come up that power the power line was a little thicker like briars and that and he went up you know when he traveled up and down through that bowl he, he hit that power line and then he crossed the ridge and, and go to wherever but it was a nice seven point you know 125 130 inch seven point i said ah, there's bigger deer so i let him go and i ended up shooting a smaller eight point that that evening because the next door, day i was going to old noise hunt so i shot that buck i called my buddy i said come help me drag my come help it was only an hour from my house hour and a half so we went in there dragged my deer out and i said hey hunt this cherry tree while i'm in the old noise i said there's a nice seven point it walks up and down his power line he's here he crosses he goes up the hill crosses the ridge and, and down the other side he uses because there's cover here so my buddy he went out there and he was pulling uh, a couple of days later he was pulling his bow up in a tree that seven point come up the hill come up he's oh man i couldn't get a shot that's a nice buck i would have shot it so the next year i went out there I ended up putting a ground blind up right on the edge of that power. This is a good story. I put a ground blind up, and I, there was, wasn't much sign there. And I hunted it a couple times. So I moved on. I, that was before trail cameras and shit, you know. I left there, and I come back a year later, right? And uh, I said, I'm going to go try that spot out. I said, I wonder if my ground blind's still there. I took my stand with me, and I, I walked the ridge. The power line went up. Um, to the ridge you know um but i walked the ridge in it was kind of a little trail on a ridge and i walked down along the edge of the power line but that it was a huge bowl like a, like an amphitheater and it was one of them one of them evenings it was like you could hear your heartbeat you could hear a pinfall you know what i mean the leaves were dry crunchy as like could be so i walked the ridge and i wanted to cut and go down along that power line i took my stand and a power and a blind was about 50 yards down I walked down, just like you said, heel toe, heel toe, heel toe, little grunt, bleat, whatever. Because there was no way I can get down 50 yards being that quiet. If there's a deer anywhere in that bowl, he's going to hear a human. So I got that. My blind was there. It was, no one touched it, but it was collapsed. You know, I didn't have the tents. So I popped my blind up. I jump in there and I sit down. 525, I hear. I said, oh, here comes a big deer. I heard him cough. 
<coughs> a lot of I've heard a lot of big deer cough. They're so sure what they're doing in life. They're not afraid to cough and hack. That's why sometimes <laughs> in the woods I cough. It doesn't bother them. A deer cough, snort. You know, it's the same deal. It's that same seven point three years in a row. He lived at the bottom of that power line, walked up and down that power line. I shot him that day. He come up that power line. He was going to cross that ridge right before dark. He was like 147-inch seven-point. <laughs> that, that's yeah. crazy. But it was I like, know that bucket's and, on your wall. Yeah, and, and, a, and he, there was no – and that's another thing. He was living on public land, but he was going to private land at night. There was no rubs in there. It's, you know, that's why the camera's got to help. And, and, I mean, there's a lot of places in Ohio, like a place I find all them little doe tracks – there was a big buck, another spot down there. There ain't no rubs or no sign of a buck in there. But I know there's a monster in there because I seen him across that one. I told you, I seen him cross the road, come out of them cedars. Yeah. Looked like a mule deer. It was just tall. I went in there. Ain't no sign of a big buck. I mean, some it's sometimes it's driving down a road or just, just having a ton of cameras out. And, and you don't know. Like It's just, it's just like an individual. You know what I mean? Uh, some bucks don't scrape a lot. Some bucks do scrape a lot. That's why I like hunting an, an individual animal. Just learn what he does mm -hmm. and find out him, you know. But it's just, you know. And and at one time in Illinois, I was hunting this one finger in between. It was a bean field and it, this creek bottom. These fingers went up into a bean field. I went in there and I put a stand up. And I end up rattling. I don't, I don't rattle a lot. I rattle a buck in. He come in from 100 yards away, beeline right to me, went around me. I don't know if I missed him or what, but like 145-inch tent or something. And he went back out of sight. And as soon as he went, as another thing about moving your stand, you got to be mobile. As soon as he went out of sight, he was coming from that direction. As soon as he went out of sight, I took, got down. I took my stand as far as I could see where he went out of sight, and I put my stand. I said, I'm hunting there tomorrow. He's coming from there. for some. I don't know if he's bedding over. I didn't even know the area. I don't know if he's bedding over there. So the next morning, I went. It was a frosty, cold morning. You could hear for a mile. My last 100 yards to my stand, he'll toke. My stand was on like a little grassy right-of-way, and the reason I got right on the edge of that right-of-way, I could see left, I could see up the right-of-way 50, 60 yards, and down the right-of-way, it was like, you know, and if a deer, they were like crossing that right-of-way, I could shoot them on it, you know, nice open shot. I got that last 100 yards, I got to my stand, I did heel-toe, heel-toe. He was laying under my tree stand, that buck, that same buck at 145-inch 10. He waited till I was 35 yards away. He got up and he, it was like barely daylight. And he just walked off, but he was so confused because he heard a deer, but he couldn't see a deer. He didn't see a human. He was trying to, f like, there was like a big morph in his brain going on. He didn't know what to do. So he walked off in a distance. I climbed my stand. My steps were on the backside. I climbed up my tree. He stood there about 60, 50, 60 yards. So I sat down on my tree stand. Then he did a big circle around me. He went downwind, didn't smell me, and he went out of sight. And, uh. I think uh, that I stayed there. I didn't see him. I rattled him back in that evening. He come right to my tree. He come dead. dead. He knew. He knew something was up with that spot. He heard a buck walk to that, but it was so his head was was confused. You know what I mean? Yeah. But he came in. I didn't get a shot at him, but I shot a buck later that that afternoon there. But um, just that hill. T like I tell, and so I said, people, you park on a road, he, like down Ohio. Like he's he's like, it's like a big. He's laying up on them points. He got them radars on the side of his head, and they're just going like this. You park on a road, you get out, you talk, you go up in the woods. You think he's gonna come down there? There's just so many things. You just think, yeah. you know, they they want to know what. Just like you want to know, I want to know what's going on in my woods when I go hunting. They want to know what's going on in their world too. They'll sit up there and they'll listen. Yeah. And it's just people a lot blow their, they blow their cover 
before they even get a chance to hunt that deer. Like I said, that one, my buddy, I said, I'll drop you off in the evening. You know, I said, his, his deer's living here. He's crossing here, but he's probably up on one of these points. I said, we parked here. Let's get out of here. I said, let's, I said, if I come back, I'll drop you off. You sneak up in there and we don't know which point he was on. He was probably laying on one of them points, you know? So, uh, we didn't hunt there that evening, but we left. I said, you know what? Uh, the next day I said, I'm going to go put a couple cameras right there. I took three cameras. It was only 150 yards from the road. I know he's crossing the road. He was somewhere. I didn't know what that deer was doing, but I had a feeling he was living there. And, he, and I have some rubs from last year. He's been living there for a couple of years. My guess, he's a 150-inch deer. I went up in there. I took some cameras. I popped one up. I had another one. I'm looking around, standing. I said, this deer walks right through here. I know he walks right through here. I tripped over his horn from two years before. It was laying there. It was about 130. It was buried under the leaves. I trip over a lot of horns because you get in that spot you look because you're looking out, you know, you ain't looking straight yeah. down at your toes. I tripped over him. I said, there's his horn. I put the camera right there where his horn was, I, but he's going to come through there. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's just like, it's just amazing though. It just, they just amaze me. I think, but the way, the reason they amaze me, because when I was a kid, I didn't, wasn't brought up around big maybe if i was brought up in illinois or iowa i seen big bucks i would take it maybe for granted that i had these animals but where we lived they were spikes and fours were like you know that was like and then they you were when i was young i'd shoot a four or six man that was like that was better than sliced red right there boy but yeah then, but then you evolve from that but you still have that mentality where they're you don't take it for granted like and then a lot of times i'll go out to iowa and illinois and a lot of locals hunt that public land but they don't it's not they they take it for granted because they're there you know yeah the bigger deer the more deer are there so they're not going to work like someone like me or you will to get that deer because it's like eh, yeah it's there it's there tomorrow you know what i mean yeah so but it's, it's all in where where you're hunting learn learn that animal you know and talk to people that hunt that area don't you know, as I said about the, you know, Chinese, you know, the guy lives in China is different than me and you, his daily life. So, you know, you got to go over there and learn what he likes to do. If, if You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. just like, it's a different, he, how he inhibits his, his, you know, his habitat and what he does and how he moves and how he feeds and how he yeah. thinks. Well, we were, we were joking today. I was with, um one of my buddies who's I was telling you he's Navy SEAL and and I was like I gotta have you on the podcast you teach us how to hunt a different species yeah and he started joking he goes that's similar he goes you gotta learn everything he goes except for humans are are dumber than deer that's the way he put it but it, you know you have to like you said put yourself in in their environment and learn it but hopefully uh everyone listening to this had their notebook out for this one it's definitely a, a long one but uh, for good reason, because I think John and I could sit here, like you said, till midnight at one in the clock in the morning and just keep talking about. Yeah, I mean it's it's a never ending, and like even when I do go with people, like my buddy, I took down Ohio. I kept asking him, "What do you think? What do you think? What do you?" Th I asked him his opinion because he sees different than me. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, I'm not the best hunter in the world. Yeah, I, I learned from them animals, but he said, "Why are you asking me? I'm not the buck. I don't know." I I say, yeah, but you have your own take on a deer that maybe, that's why I said you can learn. That you didn't think of. Yeah, I, I talk to every type of hunter, not a beginner. Maybe he has an idea that I didn't think of, you know what I mean? But, um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's, but public land's tough. It's challenging and, you yeah. know, so. I, th I think, uh, yeah, I think if anyone was is whitetail fanatics like us, and I think you could tell, um, by the excitement in your voice talking about these things and everything like you 
this is what you know you get off to is this these yeah, white tails and yeah. hunting them and yeah i uh i, I think this one's going to be a real helpful one of and you've i didn't even have to ask the questions because a lot of the ones i was going to ask you've you answered in your stories and yeah. stuff but i think people will learn a lot from it not like and like you said it's not just hunting pennsylvania or anything it's just I think a lot of your points will really go across to everywhere and just being able to adapt, be mobile. And it's not black and, and white. And another, That's yeah. the biggest thing. It's and another thing you said too, was like, you don't, you don't learn an area the first time you're in there. No. So like if you're going say a public land spot, plan to hunt it for two or three years. Yeah, you're right. You know, and not just, you know, say, oh, oh, I didn't have success one year. There's a whole t- bunch of people there. Well, where were these people? Maybe next year you go where they weren't, you know? You're right. And, and another thing before we're done here, Bo, is uh, before the Onyx and all this, Google Maps, like I said, I found public lands that were producing, you know, and people move into these areas and start hunting this area, but that doesn't mean another spot exists you know because that people ain't always going to hunt that spot you know but i've had and you got to be you got to be optimistic but you got to be honest with yourself what's going on you know what i mean hey the like i found spots in different states different public land that it, it was just hot as hell man look at these rubs look at the signing bugs there but then people move in you know a bunch of places you know but you got to be honest like hey these guys are hunting this. So I got to move on. You got to keep it. Yeah. But that's what I like is finding that area because it's there. There's, there's, you know, but a there's lot that of that hidden gem somewhere. Yeah, exactly. And that's the, that's the hunt for me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We were, yeah, we were talking about that and we won't dig into it a whole bunch yet. Cause I'm sure we'll be talking more about it, but we're talking about going to different areas and, and hunting. You're like, let's just pick up and go to a different part of the state. Yeah. Let's start find that. that. That's to find that spot that nobody's in. When I remember liking those spots, you go in and find them big rubs. You, say, oh, you know, let's just go find that new spot. You know, find it out there. And, you and know? That's, that's I always, you know, with with East meets West and everything. I always have like kind of the slogan is how you define adventure, and the reason for that is because like that's the way we define it is finding that new thing, that new thing yeah, gets that, you excited yep. and and running with it. So yeah, and. uh John, as far as, um, is there any other last takeaways that you'd think of, or do you think you kind of covered it there? I think we covered most, but like a biggest thing, if you're interested in hunting public land, it's tough, but you got to know that, know what's going on in that particular area, not just public, any area you hunt, because every area is different, every animal is different, nothing's yeah, public, private, black and same white, thing, it's, you know? it's gray, and you have to put your time in and don't be afraid to scout that land. Don't be afraid to run through all them, run through the woods. I don't care for, like I said, I did, the other day I run, I'm like, I just, I got to cover as much ground as I can. Uh, the leaves were down. It was damp. I, I'm going to find leaves turned up. I want to find fresh shit. I want to see if I, cause I don't want to sit here and just cause I don't want to screw up what's over there. Find that, find that hot sign, find that fresh scrape, get, get out there and put your boots on and, and hike it. But then also know, that you are, you know, pressuring them deer, but they're there for a reason. And like I said, the biggest thing is like, like I said, down in Ohio, you people don't realize you park on a road here, them deer up on them points. They just got them radars. They're just moving around, you know, there's like, there's, it's just watch what you do. You know what I mean? Think outside the box and, yeah. and, and be careful what, what Just you're put doing. yourself in the woods looking for a human coming in after you. What are you going to do? I'm going to hide up here where I could see down here. You know what I mean? 
So yeah, think out of any black and white and, and learn the animal, the area, the habitat, the best you can. And don't, like I said, don't be afraid to waste a day or so, like you said, and blow through that and scout it and maybe sit and watch a field for an evening. You know, don't waste your five day. A lot of people have a four or five day hunt. Don't waste that. Just picking a tree and getting up in a good tree and waste your time. Or like I said, I got butterflies because I didn't know the variable of the hunting pressure. It was like, oh, are these deer all nocturnal in here or is it so... You know, put your cameras out. Maybe go out in the su- go out in the summer if you're going to hunt something. You got a piece of public land picked out. Go out in the summer, fall. Take ten cameras. Take a climbing stick. Put them up in trees. You know, leave them there till you come back in October. That's the best thing you could do. Let them soak. You know, all the way through October, November. But know your hab. Know know the area and don't don't hope on a deer coming through. Don't leave anything up to hope. Yeah. You know what I mean. So. So, uh, John, where can uh, where can people find you on your Instagram? What's your handle there? The Johnny Stewart. The Johnny Stewart. That's it. All yeah. right, I'll include that in the show notes as well. But yeah, so well, John, good luck in Ohio coming up here this week, and hopefully, this will probably release here in a couple of weeks. So hopefully, uh, by that time, you'll have a buck on the ground. Yeah, you never know. Yeah. All right, John. Well, hey, thank you very right, much thanks, for bro. coming on. Appreciate any time. I like helping. It's just I like to share my knowledge, you know, my experience, you know. Yeah, help other people, you know. And I've learned a lot, like I said, in the last few years from you, and just thinking outside the box, like think yeah, the things you say. I'm like, I never read about this in any magazine. Yeah, and another and thing I always did, I get up in a tree, I take my bow rope, take a stick, and bounce it on the ground. <laughs> You know, sound yeah. like a deer walking. You got some dry leaves because, you know, you've been in an area, a lot of public land, but, but like, I don't even use a grunt call. Up here, grunting's pretty good. Ratio's pretty good. They'll come into a grunt, but sometimes they need like two things, like hear and see something, smell something, see something, something just that big lazy, but I ain't going over there. I'm dominant. I'm the man or you come to me. I ain't fucking going there. Like I one last year, I was hunting there. I grunted at him. He's like, yeah, I ain't going over there, but I would bounce a stick on the ground with my bow rope, you know, about a five, six foot stick, about an inch. Just make it sound like a deer. Hit the grunt call, hit the bleat call. So it's like something happening in this area, not just and buggers pinpoint you up in a tree. But if they hear that, you know, make yeah. come to life out there. But I don't know. Hammer all my tips. Those are your tips. That's a couple of them. <laughs> I yeah, know. I know. I know. I, I know you're. But like you say, you can go on forever. Just shit that mainly experiences that I had in you know, the last 25 years taken off from October to January. You know, the last couple of years, I didn't take as much time off because of my work schedule. But, you know, and it's my brain's like a sponge when it comes to that stuff. And I ask myself, I kind of quit. How come this happened? And before Google Maps, I used to I used to grid areas of the forest off and walk it till I had that picture in my mind the way Google Maps is. So I could see it the way a deer would see it. Yeah. You know what I mean? But now them Google Maps helps, shows you topo and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, put your. I think the biggest thing is, like you said, go to public land, boots on the ground, because there's a lot you're not going to see on Google Maps or Onyx that you have to see what they're eating, you know, where they're traveling, you know, where they're bedding. But and it's just a combination of variety of things, bedding and, and stuff like that. But yeah, just get out there and go out in the summertime, you know, or go out in the spring before the following year if you. If you're going to go want to hunt somewhere next fall, you know what I mean? Go out there in, in March, maybe May, April before the leaves. I mean, 
I'm up here, everybody's turkey hunting in May, and it's still brown. I'm still looking for horns, you know? Yeah. But you could see the stuff from the year before, rubs. and You know, a lot of times, yeah, I'll try to spot next year. You know what I mean? You don't see a lot of, you know, and I'm always looking for human pressure, tree stands. And so, yeah, well. Awesome. Well, hey, again, thanks, John. And uh, I'm sure this won't be the last time that we're talking on here. So thank you, and good luck in Ohio, buddy. All right. Thanks, Will. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.